Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available ProPower onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Jeffrey Epstein. A name anyone with access to television or smartphone the past several years has almost certainly heard by this point. Many of us know at least part of the story of the rich financier with powerful friends, pedophile island, Lolita Express, sex pyramid scheme, his co-conspirator and right-hand perv, Ghislaine Maxwell. For many years, Epstein's story was one celebrated by most who knew it, actually. Uh, he appeared to be such a great example of the embodiment of the traditional American dream. An incredible rags-to-riches story. Came from a working-class background, son of a groundskeeper and teacher's aide, and he worked his way into being a multi-multi-millionaire, if not a billionaire. He even did it without ever obtaining a college degree. For years, it seemed like he did it through nothing but ingenuity, some God-given talent, and a lot of hard work. Now we realize that manipulation, maybe even some blackmail, likely had a lot to do with it, that maybe a genuine and total lack of morality was his greatest talent. Epstein was a guy who lied about his resume to get the jobs that led to all his riches, ended up rubbing elbows with some of the world's most powerful, wealthy, and influential people, son of a guy who worked for the New York City Department of Parks and Rec, pulling weeds and planting flowers, ended up owning the largest private residence in all of Manhattan. Impressive. He ended up with more money than he knew what to do with, and he was seemingly always surrounded by beautiful women, but they were almost always very young women. And behind closed doors, doors that his co-conspirator, Ghislaine Maxwell, often found herself behind as well, he was surrounded by the youngest girls. Uh, girls as, long, as young as 14, if not younger. What is not a conspiracy today is that Jeffrey Epstein was a sexual predator. It seems he sexually abused and raped, I would have to imagine, hundreds of women over the course of the decades he was active, quite possibly well over a thousand. While we'll never know the true number, the fact that he did victimize young women, that is not up for debate. That is fact. What is up for debate, at least in the court of public opinion, is how he died and who he was connected to when he died. The official story is that Epstein committed suicide inside his jail cell while awaiting trial for charges that would have almost certainly put him in prison for the rest of his life. No more riches, just rags for the last of his days. 
Within hours of the announcement that he was dead, conspiracy theories started to populate the internet. Theories I was certainly open to from the very beginning. It just felt like he was about to spill the beans and give up some names, some big, juicy names. Felt like he was about to implicate some powerful politicians, perhaps one former president, also an active one, in addition to other notable politicians, British royalty, some very wealthy CEOs, maybe some celebrities as well. But then he was dead. How convenient. Everyone from regular Americans, celebrities, to politicians expressed their belief that Epstein was murdered by some of his powerful former friends. Perhaps knowing that he wasn't going to get another sweetheart deal like he got uh, the first time he was arrested for sex crimes in Florida, he was finally going to share everything he knew uh, to, at the very least, take his co-conspirators down with him. Misery certainly does often enjoy company. Maybe he thought if the names were big enough, he might not have to die in prison. We'll likely never know for sure what he was going to do what he was thinking at the end, because we uh, certainly can't ask him now. But it's fun to lay out a lot of evidence we do have uh, and speculate. Today, we're going to discuss Epstein's mysterious life, his circle of powerful friends, his crimes against women and children, and share some of his victims' stories about their experiences. And then next week, we'll discuss and break down the most popular conspiracy theories about Epstein's death in a, maybe not the Illuminati, but it sure feels like something really shady went down involving a, a group of global elites in the second of this two-part edition of Time Suck. This is Michael McDonald, and you're listening to Time Suck. (laughs) You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday, Meat Sacks. Welcome to the Cult of the Curious. I'm Dan Cummins, Master Sucker, the significant one, Air America baggage handler. Guy Epstein, never considered hiring to be his personal masseuse, which feels both ageist and sexist. And you are listening to Time Suck. Hail Nimrod, hail Lucifina. She is not a big fan of today's topic. Praise Bojangles and glory be to Triple M, who never once flew on the Lolita Express, to my knowledge. Couple quick announcements. Then we learned so much about a man who was uh, more harmful to teen girls in the past few decades than all of the world's boy bands combined. Very cool and unique item in the badmagicmerch.com store I want to talk about. A set of Time Suck collectible trading cards designed by a Time Sucker, Raymond Roll, uh, turned into a purchasable set by Logan Keith, our art warlock. This is uh, the first in many sets to be sold. So cool that Raymond took it upon himself to do this. Volume 1, uh, the first 50 episodes, the back of each card, same size as a, as a like Magic the Gathering card, a version of the logo, then the inside is original artwork pertaining to each episode, plus a summarized top five takeaways. A lot was fit on these cards. It's, it's so cool. At the, at the very least, check them out. Uh, there's going to be a nice banner at the store at badmagicmerch.com. Make them easy to find. Each set also contains five bonus cards. Volume 1 bonus cards. Woody, Bojangles, Lucifina, Chicken Joe, and Triple M. Uh, and thank you, Raymond. Yeah, so cool of you to do this. They look fucking awesome. Uh, just got to uh, see the first set came in the mail just a couple hours before this recording. And thanks to Logan for bringing these to uh, fruition. As someone who used to collect baseball cards religiously for several years and also Magic the Gathering cards, I just think this is uh, really incredible. Also, so funny to me, the manufacturer who made the cards would not print artwork for just one of the episodes, the Kim Jong-un North Korea episode. They did Manson, Jim Jones, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, H.H. Holmes, everything else, but no depiction of Kim Kim Jong-un. We'll find out who they reject in future sets. Maybe a little showbiz. 
So uh, very excited about that. Uh, Bad Magic Charity of the Month, also exciting. Still uh, liftinghandsinternational.org. If you're looking for a way to help those in the crisis in Ukraine, please visit this charity. Uh, thanks to our Patreon Space Lizards and the Roberts and Annabelles over on Scared to Death uh, for helping us donate $14,000 to the charity. Also, 1550 to our new scholarship fund that will start dishing out scholarships next year. Feels great to be able to do that. Hail Nimrod. Uh, one more thing. Hoping I had a great time in Tempe this past weekend. I bet I did. The Improv there is a great club. I bet Harry Riley killed it opening the shows. Uh, in Missoula this coming weekend at the Wilma. Uh, show is sold out. Looking forward to having a blast with John Huck and everyone there. Uh, the week after, tickets still left for some of the shows at Raleigh. At, at, uh, uh, sorry, shows in Raleigh at Goodnight's Comedy Club. There we go. Uh, you can go to dancummins.tv for more dates. And added yet another show in Salt Lake City in May. Might as well move there. Uh, also Springfield, Missouri in May at the Blue Room Comedy Club. And then Milwaukee, Davenport, and Chicago in June. And then taking the summer off. Uh, so much comedy and so much show today. I know it's uh, supposed to be just one episode, which I advertised last week. But man, maybe I just had with the vacation too much time to dwell on this one. And it just ended up being too big. I just kept adding more to it. Uh, way too big for uh, just one episode. I mean, just the first part is one of our biggest episodes. Uh, by the time I realized the word count was out of control, I didn't want to cut anything. So so here we are. Uh, Epstein's story, uh, God, it started off so well, right? No terrible childhood, no rough early life, no tragedies at all that happened to him that we know of. Started off seemingly as a normal dude growing up in a loving family, blue collar guy born with zero connections, absolutely no wealth or privilege. Breaks into New York's uh, top socialite circles, right? New York City's closest thing we have in this country to royalty. Makes it about as much as you can make it in the Big Apple. Supposedly the hardest place to make it in all of America. You know, you'll end up with not just the largest private residence in all of Manhattan, but also with uh, not one, but two fucking islands in the Caribbean and a 7,500 acre ranch slash compound in New Mexico and a mansion in Palm Beach, right? So much more. Donated millions and millions of dollars to incredible causes. Funded a lot of amazing scientific research. Take out what this fucking creep did to women and girls. And his story seems at quick glance to be incredibly inspiring. It's a dream that drives many to push themselves and innovate and create in America. Uh, a dream that has led to countless tech, industrial, and medical breakthroughs. Right, A reminder that you can be born materialistically, at least, with almost nothing. And in a short time, relatively, you can end up with it all. But because of what else he did and how he did it, his story is disgusting and deplorable. He amassed great wealth and power, then used it to abuse and bully so many powerless women and girls, right? Who had no wealth, no connections. He was a, he was a fucking predator, a sexual predator, not that different from many of the serial killers we've discussed so frequently here on Time Suck. But unlike any serial killer we've talked about, he ran in the very top social circles of society which is exactly what led to conspiracies that he was but one of many elite and powerful super predators. Before we dissect his story today, a quick note. I did discuss Epstein at length in episode 153, the ninth circle cult and Jeffrey Epstein in exploration into pedophile rings. So some of the info today will be uh, redundant. Not a ton actually, but some, but you know, pretty unavoidable since this is essentially a voted in variation on a topic that we already covered partially. And it was a great choice by our Patreon space lizards who picked two of our topics every month. Uh, there was still a lot left to explore since he died within days of that previous episode being recorded. All right. All that said, let's get to know this dirty dick motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey Epstein, a New York financier 
who uh, publicly dated women like Eva Anderson Dubin, the doctor who founded the Dubin Breast Center at the Tisch Tisch Cancer Institute at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City, Eva, a former supermodel who won Miss Sweden in 1980, took fourth that year in the Miss Universe contest, a woman currently married to a billionaire hedge fund manager, a woman who seems extremely intelligent, beautiful, cultured, someone who remained friendly with Epstein after his Florida arrest and sex offender designation. So is she a creep too? Or was this guy just that charming and manipulative? I think the latter. And of course, he dated Ghislaine Maxwell, a British socialite. We'll get to know a little better later. Daughter of deceased wealthy publisher Robert Maxwell. Robert was a Jewish man who escaped Nazi persecution in what was then Czechoslovakia, what is now Ukraine, made it to Britain, then joined the army, became a decorated veteran fighting the Nazis that made him flee. Robert Maxwell, another rags to riches incredible story, right? Initially, went on to become one of the wealthiest men in the world for a time, a one-time direct publishing rival of media titans like Rupert Murdoch. He was a member of Britain's parliament. And his story, like Epstein's, right, ended in tragedy. He died under somewhat suspicious circumstances after being suspected of being a spy. There were all kinds of allegations regarding how much of the business he conducted was supposedly definitely not on the up and up. He reportedly bugged the offices of various employees. After he died, it was discovered that he'd stolen hundreds of millions of pounds from his own company's pension funds. Just a wee bit shitty. Was Epstein later inspired to bug his own residences by what Ghislaine's dad had done? Instead of spying on his own employees, did he maybe bug residences in order to gather evidence he could use to blackmail some powerful people doing the same shady shit he was? That's one of the rumors. That's part of the Epstein mystery. And Epstein was a mystery. He was a bit of a mystery to almost everyone who knew him. Rosa Moncton, former CEO of Tiffany, uh, told Vanity Fair in 2003, you think you know him and then you peel off another ring of the onion skin and there's something else extraordinary underneath. He never reveals his hand. He's a classic iceberg. What you see is not what you get. I don't think she realized how true that statement was when she said it. Uh, Beneath the tip of the iceberg was at least one ongoing, very dark and disturbing secret. Epstein was a huge fan of Sugar Ray. Uh, He was actually in their fan club for several years, and he flew Mark McGrath around in his Lolita Express numerous times. Uh, He co-wrote every morning. Mm-hmm. Every morning. Sorry, no, that was uh, that was uh, not true and an unnecessary low blow. Mark actually seems like a great dude, and I do like some of their songs. No, uh, Epstein exploited and abused girls in Manhattan, Palm Beach, his island in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and in God knows how many other locations in the U.S. and abroad. According to investigators, he paid cash to recruit a vast network of underage victims. In 2008, Epstein was arrested and charged for soliciting a minor for prostitution in Florida. Served only 13 months of an 18-month prison sentence and registered as a sex offender. And then he got right back to his lavish lifestyle for the next decade. That lifestyle would finally come to an end in July of 2019 when he was arrested on federal charges of sex trafficking minors. While awaiting trial, he was found dead in his jail cell August 10th of that year. A medical examiner determined his death was a suicide, but Epstein's family and millions and millions of people online professed that he was murdered. And it did look pretty damn suspicious especially when combined with how mysterious Epstein was. He kept his business operations and personal life as private as possible. He rarely attended public events, used a fake name in the phone book, refused to eat at almost any restaurant where someone could just, you know, walk in on him. He took tremendous care to control the environment around him and to operate in the shadows. He revealed few details about his life or his business to anyone. When his case went public, it was shocking to see who this private background player associated with. President Trump, former President Clinton, Prince Andrew, many more powerful people. 
People like myself suspected that he was going to testify and reveal who did what. We worried that he would be murdered because it seemed like so many people must have really wanted him dead. And then he turned up dead. When news came out that Epstein was killed, uh, you know, that he, sorry, when he uh, killed himself, the hashtags Epstein murder, Clinton body count, and Trump body count all trended hard on social media. It wasn't just regular people spreading conspiracy theories. It was politicians and celebrities as well. For example, on November 13th, 2019, Representative Paul Gosser, Republican from Arizona, tweeted 23 messages with the first letter of each sentence spelling out, Epstein didn't kill himself. Did Gosser know something that we didn't? Did he have information he was trying to reveal to the public? Gosser later denied that he was claiming Epstein was murdered. Why do that and then deny it? Right, that's weird. Bill de Blasio, Democrat mayor of New York City at the time, wrote that Epstein's death was way too convenient. What a lot of us want to know is, what did he know? How many other millionaires and billionaires were part of the illegal activities that he was engaged in? Politician and attorney uh, Rudy Giuliani, former Republican mayor of New York, said uh, before he went fucking kind of batshit crazy recently, uh, what does the word watch mean in the phrase suicide watch? Who was watching? It's a fucking great point. Who was watching? No one, apparently. Or someone that we're just not uh, being told about. Uh, actress Deborah Messi or Deborah, Deborah? Deborah Messing, there we go, native New Yorker, famous uh, primarily for playing Grace on Will and Grace, responded to Trump once uh, saying in 2016 that he could uh, probably shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and not lose any voters. Well, she tweeted, he finally killed someone on Fifth Avenue. It's pretty funny. Actress Patricia Arquette tweeted, Bill Barr's Department of Justice took him off suicide watch, the same bar who works for Trump, that same bar who has uh, re- had to recuse in Epstein's case in Florida, the same bar who refuses to recuse himself in New York and whose father hired Epstein, even though he was unqualified to teach kids. And she's, you know, she's making a lot of leaps there that actually don't make sense when you dig into it. But again, there's a lot of uh, speculation, a lot of people wondering why was Epstein taken off suicide watch? Why was his cellmate transferred, you know, out hours before his death? Why did the guards fail to do their normal checks for someone who had already tried to kill himself previously? Well, that's the kind of stuff we're going to look into today. First, we're going to march down a timeline of Jeffrey Epstein's life and crimes, share some of his victims' stories, then look at his suspicious death and subsequent investigation. And then next week in part two, right, we're going to head to uh, Conspiracyville, right? All aboard, put on your tinfoil hats. This time it might be real. Take a little gander. How credible the he was murdered theories actually seem to be. I uh, was fascinated by all of this. Time now for that timeline. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a time-suck timeline. January 20th, 1953. Jeffrey Edward Epstein, born in Brooklyn, New York. When the nurse lightly slapped his little bottom to help him get some fluid out of his lungs, he spoke his first words. Very fast speaker. He was like, ooh, ooh, I like that. Ooh, hit me again, 60 Mama. Ooh, I'm a naughty, naughty little baby boy. Now rub my back and jack me off. JK, right outfit, wrong age. Do you have a daughter? Uh, I, don't think, I don't think I need to say that part didn't happen, do I? Uh, Epstein's parents were Pauline Stolofsky Epstein and Seymour George Epstein. Pauline lived from October 5th, 1918 to April 1st, 2004. Made it all the way to the age of 85. Uh, Seymour lived from December 4th, 1916 to December 14th, 91. Made it 75. 
Uh, Pauline Seymour married in 1952. She worked part-time as a teacher's aide, uh, you know, for, for different little periods. Some periods she was a, a full, full-time homemaker. He worked full-time as a gardener for the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. Clearly, Epstein came from neither wealth nor power. Uh, Epstein has a younger brother named Mark, born two years later in 1955, his only sibling. What day was he born in 1955? Who the fuck knows? Uh, you can hire firms to scrub your personal details from the internet. Celebrities do it all the time to make sure that, uh, you know, like crazed fans can't find their house, track down their family members. Maybe they don't want casting directors to know how old they actually are. Feels like Epstein did that. Feels like his brother Mark uh, maybe has done that since Jeffrey's death. There's very little information accessible about Mark, even less about he and Jeffrey's parents who died before any scandals broke. Uh, what we know, Mark Epstein was an artist before he pursued other business ventures. New York City, he attended art school at Cooper Union, formerly known as Cooper Union for the Advancement of Science and Art, private art college located in Manhattan. Uh, less than 20% of those who apply get in, small, prestigious, real small actually, student body that hovers between 800 and 900 students, less than 60 full-time staff. Founded in 1859, uh, the inventor of the vinyl record, the creator and cartoonist of Clifford the Big Red Dog, illustrators for Mad Magazine and the Magic School Bus, the creator and cartoonist for Hacker the Horrible, so many notable ar- architects, Nobel Prize winners, and more have gone to that school. Uh, current tuition, a cool 44500 a year, a steal of a deal. Oh man, Mark also went to school at Stony Brook, uh, formerly known as State University College on Long Island, and then at the State University, and then as State University of New York at Stony Brook State College. Not as prestigious as Cooper Union, and a little bit bigger. Student body is currently just under 30,000, over 15,000 employees, faculty alone, around 2,700 professors, in-state tuition, just over 10,000 a year, out-of-state tuition, only $28,000 a year. That's all. It's practically free. Higher education in America just keeps getting more and more unattainable, doesn't it? How fun. It's fucking insane. Between the exorbitant cost of healthcare, rising real estate prices, rising higher education costs, all compared to relatively stagnant wages, getting harder and harder for new rags to riches stories to emerge. Harder for the have-nots to ever become the haves. Check this shit out. Indulge me in this sidebar for a moment. When I went to Gonzaga in 1995, I graduated in 1999. Uh, I'm very old. Tuition was only $13,000 a year. Currently, it's $49,800. God damn. It is more than tripled, almost quadrupled in just 25 years. Currently costs more than Cooper Union. And you get to live in Spokane, Washington instead of Manhattan. Not trying to shit on Spokane here, but not quite the tourist destination or cultural landmark uh, landmark that New York City is. If you don't get any grants or scholarships, it's now a fun $200,000 to get a four-year degree for Gonzaga. Go Bulldogs. Uh, no wonder campus keeps getting uh, nicer and nicer. Professors and coaches, oh, they got to be loving this shit. Getting nice salaries. Those Jesuit priests, mm-mm, living on mostly caviar at this point. What the fuck? And that amount doesn't count books, housing, food, over $1,000 a year and random bullshit fees. Uh, and, oh, more fun, first and second year students have to both live on campus and buy a meal plan unless they're local or meet some other exemption. So you can tack on another $15,000 or so a year for those first two years. So $65,000 a year for the first two years, cost of that four-year degree will be about a quarter of a million dollars. Once you also factor in the cost of, uh, you know, inevitable tuition and fee hikes that'll hit you before you graduate. Man, those Jesuits, they seem like they're getting pretty fucking greedy. I thought greed was a sin. Uh, and the costs I laid out uh, doesn't include, you know, healthcare, clothes, other, you know, transportation, just basic life costs. But hey, you know what? You can just take out loans 
Nice. Just hit the workforce at 22 with a student loan debt equivalent to what would buy you a fucking house, a big, nice house in Spokane outright back when I went to college. That is so fucked. When I graduated with my four-year degree, I was initially on track to become a social worker. I would have had to have gone to, uh, back to school to get a master's degree in MSW, right, to uh, make any money in social work. So let's tack on another 50 to 100K for that, depending on where I would have gotten it. Then I maybe could have got a job that would max out at around $65,000 back then. Now, according to sites like payscale.com and salary.com, the pay around Spokane for a social worker uh, maxes out around 85K. In some specific cases, it looks like best case, maybe around 100K. Between 2000 and now, not long ago at all, the cost of a degree, almost four times as much. Salary for the job that the degree gets you, not even twice as much. We are societally really not heading down a good path here, not at all. And then real estate, median price of a Spokane area home in 2000, $165,300. Median price of a home today, $374,900. Fuck yeah, more than double. And that trend is not local to Spokane, it's nationwide. A little less bad in some areas, a lot worse than others. Healthcare, average annual health insurance cost per person in the U.S., $7,739 in 2021, compared to $2,471 in the year 2000. More than tripled. Look at the totality of all that, right? In just the last two decades, cost of a degree almost quadrupled. At state schools too, not just private schools. Cost of a home, more than doubled. Cost of healthcare, more than tripled. Salary, not doubled, tripled, or quadrupled. It's gone up by somewhere between 30% and 54% in this example. Right there, that is why so many Americans complain about the death of the middle class. The complaint is very legitimate. It's one of the main reasons I think that there is so much anger and frustration and disillusionment in society today. Wages not even coming close to keeping up with the cost of living, right? And inflation on the rise right now, that's a recipe for impending economic disaster. A lot of people complain about the problems of homelessness and hard drug abuse, meth and heroin in particular. Things have visibly gotten a lot worse in the past few years. With the numbers I just laid out, that trend will only continue. And uh, I think it'll accelerate. I think we haven't seen anything yet. Uh, Shit's going to look pretty fucking dystopian in a lot of places if this problem isn't fixed real quick. I just bet more Americans would bitch a whole lot less about politics and crazy conspiracies if they felt like they had more control over their lives, if they felt like they could buy a home, send their kids to college, feel confident they could actually fucking retire someday, as opposed to working until they drop dead, not worry about medical debt financially ruining them since they can't afford health insurance. Help us, Nimrod. If we're going to remain a first world nation, uh, we're going to need it. Okay, back to Mark now. Sorry, a big tangent, I know. More than a little sidebar, but I feel like it's just so important to point that out from time to time when that shit comes up in a story. I'm trying to do it all the time, uh, but the elephant in the room has just gotten so goddamn big, hard to uh, ignore what's about to destroy, destroy the house. Okay, childhood neighbors of the Epsteins, according to a Business Insider article, uh, have only good things to say about the Epstein they still call Puggy. So that'd be Mark. He had a knack for business to start it out as an artistic venture around this time, uh, around his time, excuse me, at Cooper Union. Puggy. I wonder if Jeffrey's nickname was Tuggy. Puggy and Rubbin' Tuggy, maybe. Uh, Puggy was apparently business savvy, like his brother, once ran a silk screening t-shirt business. Former neighbors told the Daily Beast that Mark once ran a, uh, a t-shirt business that was one of the most versatile silk screening printing companies in New York. The spirit of entrepreneurship instilled in both Epstein boys. Hopefully the spirit of teen raping only in, instilled in one of them. Uh, 1984, Mark was the head of Atlier Enterprises, a charter and leasing company. Uh, he then began investing in New York real estate. He formed a modeling agency in December 2005, but according to Business Insider, uh, the agency does not appear to have ever signed a single model. 
And that is, in light of what went on with Jeffrey, fucking creepy. Fake modeling agency? 100% speculating here, but uh, was that a way for Mark to approach ladies, maybe teen ladies, maybe under false pretenses that he could turn them into some kind of big-time modeling star if they just were cool? Just do what I want. Hmm, I don't know. His brother would run that exact scam. How many times did Mark take the Lolita Express to Pedophile Island? Did he and his brother head down to uh, fucking High Five while forming some kind of Epstein Eiffel Tower? Mark doesn't show up on any flight logs, but do we really trust the flight logs of, uh, you know, coming from someone like Epstein? I don't. Uh, Mark semi-retired at the age of 39 and has since donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to charities. In 2009, he donated 500000 to Cooper Union. Same year, he was named chairman of the board of trustees there. Uh, Mark also on the board of directors of the Humpty Dumpty Institute, which works with the UN to rebuild developing nations. Mark also owns Asa Properties, a real estate company. An intern said that company was run by Anthony Barrett, asset manager for J. Epstein & Co., Mark denied connections between his business and his brother's after his brother's arrest, but Barrett confirmed to the Wall Street Journal that the businesses were, in fact, very financially connected behind the scenes. Asa Properties also has a majority stake in a Manhattan apartment used by Epstein, Jeffrey, to house girlfriends and other important people. Outside of whether or not Mark was connected to his brother in any kind of perverse or criminal way, how the fuck did both of those guys come from nothing and then achieve so much? Did Mark get any business seed money from Jeff? I have to think he did. Did Jeff get his money mostly by manipulating and blackmailing Lex Wexner, the guy who founded the limited clothing stores, then expanded to own Victoria's Secret, Abercrombie & Fitch, Express, Bath & Body Works, and more? We'll dig into that interesting relationship a bit later. I think so. Partially, at least. Uh, I find it odd that Epstein's brother also came from, yeah, nothing to accumulate so much wealth. Two brothers can obviously do that uh, and not be connected to one another or anything nefarious, but I don't know. Are Mark's hands really clean? Uh, Jeffrey and Mark both both grew up in Seagate, pretty interesting neighborhood in Brooklyn. I didn't know about before this suck. At the end of the, at the end of Coney Island, uh, described as a gated working class community. The neighborhood was once known as Norton's Point. Norton was the name of a guy who owned a casino where a lighthouse on Coney Island now stands. Back in the mid 1800s, this area was uh, where you went to play some poker. And then in the 1890s, the Vanderbilts, Morgans, Dodges, other influential wealthy New York families built the area into Seagate complete with the Atlantic Yacht Club and numerous private beaches. Beaches are only for residents and their guests. The whole neighborhood is basically a big gated homeowners association. Behind the gate of Seagate, residents pay for private security, sewer, uh, beach, lifeguards, street lights, street cleaning. There's two parks as well. Since the 1930s, the neighborhood has been predominantly Jewish. Epstein's a Jewish family. I wonder how much uh, Epstein being Jewish factored into conspiracies that surround him, right? How much... Uh, did race affect the, he was clearly part of the Illuminati debate. No race is tossed into Western conspiracy lore uh, more often than the Jewish race. I got sucked into exploring Seagate, uh, that neighborhood a bit on Google. Uh, looks like an awesome little place to live. Home prices, not that much different than here in Coeur d'Alene, actually. Uh, the Epstein family lived in a middle cl- uh, lived a middle class lifestyle in a small second floor apartment on Maple Avenue there. Epstein attended public school, 188 in Brooklyn, and Mark Twain Junior High School, aka Mark Twain for the Gifted and Talented in Brooklyn, It's public, but uh, a school you have to test into. He was a very intelligent child who learned to play the piano at the age of five. He would test out of and skip two grades and graduate from Lafayette High School, also in Brooklyn, at the age of 16. The neighborhood of Seagate uh, doesn't have any private schools. or I'm sorry, any public schools or private. Uh, I can only imagine how proud his parents were. Epstein later said that his parents viewed education as the way out. Sounds like Seagate was a pretty nice place to be, though. Uh, 1969, Jeffrey Epstein graduated from Lafayette High School, as I mentioned, in Brooklyn uh, when he was just 16. 
If he got in any trouble, especially with girls, those first 16 years, we don't know about it. Epstein then went on to take physics, uh, some physics classes at Cooper Union, right? The place his brother went to from 1969 to 1971. Uh, Next, he studied mathematical physiology of the heart, very specific, mathematical physiology of the heart at New York University, NYU, in the early 70s, specifically their current or at their current Institute of Mathematical Sciences. But for reasons that are never explained, he did not graduate from NYU or from Cooper Union. That mathematical physiology of the heart business, that was some cutting edge shit in the early 70s. It's still pretty cutting edge. Uh, Here's a description of some recent research on this very specific topic that explains it pretty well. Biomedical research has enjoyed an eruption of reductionism where organs are reduced to tissues, cells, and molecules. Although reductionism is a powerful approach to provide the components of the system, integration of the components and their interactions are ultimately necessary to reveal organ function and phenotype. Biological integration is inherently complex that requires gluing, quote unquote, of numerous components of the system with many interacting variables. Physics-based mathematical modeling is well-tailored for the task when the number of variables is so great that it eludes intuition. The past several decades have enjoyed enormous advancements in mathematical modeling as computational capabilities have advanced substantially and experimental databases to inform and calibrate the computational models have become available to reduce ad hoc assumptions. Basically, uh, if we can reduce anatomy, or in this case, specifically anatomy of the heart, down to the molecular level, we can, if we can map out the tissue really exactly and then predict how cells repair themselves, interact with each other, uh, how new cells are formed, at what rate, under what conditions, etc., using mathematical formulas powered by computers, we can greatly advance healthcare. This kind of thing is an important part of our species' evolution into transhumanism. Come up with a formula for cellular or even DNA repair, uh, build nanobots to do the actual repairing, infuse them into the bloodstream, quality of life, longevity, greatly extended. Building on that research, you could theoretically, mathematically uh, 3D print, for lack of a better term, new organs, new body, real life Westworld shit. Transhumanism, uh, by the way, the belief that people can and should artificially enhance the human body using modern technology, some cyborg shit. Transhumanists herald uh, genetic engineering and artificial intelligence as promising ways to improve human performance. They advocate essentially for the use of technology, including nanomedicine, robotics, brain-computer integration, and more that alters typical human physiology in order to better our body and brain. I fucking, I love it. Better living through modern chemistry, better living through modern technology. If we can dramatically improve the quality of human life through tech, let's fucking go. Ashes to ashes could become ashes to microprocessors, hard drives, and 3D printed meat sacks. Wild shit, and I'm all for it. Uh, Epstein, big fan. Epstein spoke of transhumanism often. He would often donate to transhumanist research. So what did he do for work around this time while he was going to school, taking some classes, but not getting a degree? Not sure. He might not have worked. Might have still lived at home. Uh, So much mystery, again with Epstein, especially in his early life. Uh, Summer of 1974, when he's 21, Epstein is hired now to teach calculus and physics at the Dalton School, a prep school in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Prestigious private uh, private co-ed prep school founded in 1919. And you can send your kid to kindergarten here for just under $60,000 a year. (laughs) 60 fucking K for crayons and juice boxes. Tuition for any grade, K through 12. For the 2022-2023 school year, is $57,970, not including some fees. And they just don't take any student. You have to apply to have your kindergartner get in. There's a waiting list. 
That little fucker better color inside the lines real good. Better be able to create a coloring book from scratch. Maybe make his or her own crayons as well. Better be able to spell out the alphabet backwards, sing nursery rhymes in multiple languages. Uh, Former Dalton students include actresses Claire Danes and Jennifer Grey from Romeo and Juliet and Dirty Dancing. Uh, Journalist Anderson Cooper. Sean Lennon, son of one of the world's greatest musicians ever, Yoko Ono. Not done. Let it build again. That is fucking talent right there. That's what it sounds like. That's what pure, unadulterated talent feels like. So frustrating that John Lennon overshadowed her immense musical gifts. There's a fine line between insanity and genius. And Yoko Ono doesn't know where that fucking line is. She's never seen it or touched it. She lives firmly on the insane side, I think. Uh, why literally anyone has ever paid any serious attention to Yoko Ono as a legit musical, art- musical artist since Lennon died is something I will truly never understand. Uh, Tony Blinken, our current Secretary of State, also went to Dalton. Tons of judges, actors, musicians, artists, other notable people. So big deal school. And this school doesn't take just any teacher either. But Epstein, able to bullshit his way in. At the age of 21, the financial savant pretended to have a degree, forged signatures, faked references, faked documents, and it worked. That takes some serious con artist skill. Uh, I wonder, did he want to teach there to have access to the girls going to the school there or to their rich and powerful parents? I actually think at this point it was access to their parents. I I don't think those are the kind of girls uh, he would have tried to do anything shady to, right? It wasn't part of his MO. Wouldn't have been strategic. Uh, He later went after poor kids, not the kids of the people he's trying to use to make money directly from. I'd have to guess Dalton was part of a get rich quick, uh, you know, plan that Epstein had way back then. The school was just a stepping stone to more lucrative opportunities. And I mean, what a great way to meet Wall Street heavy hitters and other wealthy Manhattan power players by becoming their kid's star teacher. How was your day, kiddo? Oh, so good, dad. I'm, I'm really good at math now. I have an A in calculus. Oh, my, need, my new teacher, Mr. Epstein, he's so cool. Show the parents what a math whiz you are. Then when you meet them, drop some economic know-how into the conversation. What an ideal way to break into the inner circle of Manhattan's elite power players. Getting their kids talking about you, how cool, how smart you are, right? Then making a, a good first, impar- uh, first impression, you know, with the parents when you actually beat them face to face. And he would do that. Uh, the school itself, though, didn't seem to think Epstein was too cool and smart for very long. Two years after being hired, 1976, Epstein is fired from the Dalton School due to, quote, poor performance. And he did not give a shit because he would he'd already found something better. Before he was fired, he was able to connect with a very important parent, Alan Greenberg chairman of the executive committee of a tiny little company called Bear Stearns, Wall Street Investment Bank, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, The 2008 real estate crisis would later take Bear Stearns down with it, and it'll be bought out by J.P. Morgan Chase for 10 bucks a share after a pre-crisis 52-week high of $133.20 per share. But before that, it was a big fucking deal to work there. From 2005 to 2007, Bear Stearns was recognized as the most admired securities firm in Fortune Magazine's America's Most Admired Company survey. Big-time stockbrokers, so much more. Wealth management experts. Back in 2006, they held corporate assets of over $350 billion. 
This was a wealth-building company that turned millionaires into billionaires. And the CEO, Alan Greenberg, allegedly told Epstein, what are you doing teaching math to Dalton? You should be working on Wall Street. Why don't you give my friend Ace Greenberg a call? And then Alan Greenberg put him in touch with that senior partner for an interview. Oh, Alan and Ace. I love how close the name Ace Greenberg is to Alan Greenberg. Makes me picture the alter ego of the same guy. Right, like Alan's crazy, you know, likes to sometimes pretend he's Ace just for fun. Alan's bald, runs a company. Alan is happily married, uh, always has the same breakfast at precisely 5 a.m. Oatmeal, one poached egg, small glass of fresh squeezed orange juice, cup of coffee, black. Alan always calls his mom on her birthday. But Ace, ho-ho, Ace is a fucking wild card. Ace has a corner office, but no title. Ace looks a lot like Alan, but he has a toupee and a calendar in his office of women in G-string bikinis. Doesn't have a wedding ring. Ace will eat Eggos and fucking Spam for breakfast. He doesn't give a fuck. Ace will drop a pencil on purpose to try and look up an assistant's skirt. Ace doesn't even know when his mom's birthday is. I picture Epstein meeting with Ace and being like, uh, Alan? And then Alan's like, <clears throat> points at the name plaque on his desk. Name's Ace. Totally different Greenberg. Definitely not Alan, who I do understand I bear a passing resemblance to, but Alan is a fucking nerd. Not Ace. Want to do some blow in the bathroom? Want to wonder what color pubic hair all the ladies in the office have? High five. Come on, buddy. I'm done now. I just need to get that in my head. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Epstein's uh, acuity with numbers earns him his assistant job at Bear Stearns in 1976. Ace hires him. Ace said Jeffrey had exactly what he wanted in an employee. He had the PSDs, poor, smart, deep desire to be rich. Fuck yeah. That, that sounds like some Wolf of Wall Street shit right there. My fucking warriors who will not hang up the phone until their client either buys or fucking dies! That's such a fucking great scene. Either buys or fucking dies! Just fucking banging the microphone into his head. DiCaprio at his finest. Uh, Teaching the Dalton School. Got Jeffrey to the door, but Bear Stearns, that was the real big break that opened the door for all his future financial big breaks. Uh, Also, a source we used uh, listed Alan and Ace as separate people in that quote I gave, but actually not true. Uh, It was Alan Ace Greenberg, just one guy. Uh, I found that out a couple revisions of (laughs) of the notes in. So much double and triple and quadruple checking with these episodes. I thought about erasing the above double life, but it was way too much fun for me to think about. And actually... That joke kind of makes more sense if the quote is legit. Maybe Alan did sometimes tell people to talk to Ace. Maybe he was a little bit crazy. I doubt it, but fun to think about it. Uh, Michael Tenenbaum, former Bear Stearns executive, was the guy who Epstein would initially work under. Tenenbaum had him develop and market their quantitative analyses for options. And Epstein fucking killed it. He was great at the job, able to deal with unexpected problems without getting rattled. But then after Epstein had only worked at Bear Stearns for about two months, their head of personnel informed Tenenbaum that he had, that Epstein had lied about his education on his resume. Uh, Tenenbaum was about to fire Epstein, but Epstein admitted a line, said, I knew I couldn't get a job teaching at a school if I didn't have good educational credentials. So I wanted to get a chance. Uh, he said he didn't tell Bear Stearns only because he didn't want the Dalton school to find out. He begged for his job. He convinced Tenenbaum not to fire him, reminding him of how well he'd been doing, promising him he'd do better in the future, yada, yada, yada. Not firing Epstein at that moment, according to Tenenbaum, will later be one of his biggest life regrets. I bet. But no way he could have known what Epstein was going to become, right? But if, interesting, though, if he'd been fired right there and exposed for lying, not just to Bear Stearns, but also to the Dalton School, that would have fucked him. That would have made it a lot harder to get another job in the financial world, right? He would have had no one for recommendations. No degree would have had to just lie again and hope he didn't get caught. 
and good chance he never becomes quite the monster he became, because for his future exploitation racket to work, it required a lot of money. I always find it interesting how fragile our life paths are, right? Our paths are such precarious Jenga puzzles. Go back in anyone's past, you remove one little block, one chance date, one right place, right time, career moment, one mentor, whole tower crumbles to the ground. After not getting fired, young Epstein, just 23 when he gets that job, he quickly climbs the corporate ladder, and the dude who didn't have the minimum educational requirements to work for Bear Stearns earns himself the job of advisor to the company's wealthiest clients in just a few short years. Bear Stearns CEO, Jimmy Kane, would later tell New York Magazine in 2002, he was not your conventional broker, saying buy IBM or sell Xerox. Given his mathematical background, we put him in our special products division, where he would advise our wealthier clients on the tax implications of their portfolios. He would recommend certain tax advantageous transactions. He's a very smart guy and has become a very important client for the firm. 1980, just 27, Epstein becomes a limited partner at Bear Stearns. He's a fucking star at this place. Dude was a financial wizard. What a crazy skill to have, to be super savvy with investing. I mean, we hear about the salaries of athletes and celebrities all the time. You know, LeBron James, Patrick Mahomes, Lionel Messi, Tom Cruise, Denzel Washington, Jennifer Lawrence. But behind the scenes, the people investing their money are the ones making the really stupid money. Top five partners for Edward Jones financial investors, uh, financial advisors, each made between 10 and $20 million in 2020. The CEO of Bear Stearns, Jimmy Kane, worth well over a billion dollars before the 2008 crash. Right, Epstein's making seven, if not eight figures annually at this point as a young dude, but he only makes that for about a year. March 12th, 1981, Epstein unexpectedly quits. An insider trading tender offer placed on March 11th, 1981 between several prominent companies was discovered by the SEC, right? The Securities and Exchange Commission, the Stock Market Police. Epstein resigned the next day when the SEC began looking at Bear Stearns. Epstein testified before an SEC committee, April 1st, 1981, that he was offended by the way the company handled disciplinary action after he loaned some money to his friend. And then Epstein was like, April Fool's, that's not why I quit. I quit because I don't like all the comments they're making about dozens of teenage masseuses I had swinging by the office. What is so scandalous about having tight muscles and sensitive skin? No one makes fun of a guy in the wheelchair when he gets physical therapy, but I can't get massages for my tight muscles careful, delicate massages because of my sensitive skin. My skin cannot handle adult hands, period. Too many calluses, too dry, too strong. I need young, supple, weaker hand skin rubbing my too tight muscles every day or I could easily die. Of course, he didn't say that. Uh, The committee questioned him about a loan on March 4th. Then on March 9th, two partners told him the executive committee was going to fine him $2,500 and he quit. Uh, ultimately no one bear, at Bear Stearns was uh, even charged for insider trading. Well, actually, I'm sorry. He, yeah, he's already quit. Uh, so what exactly happened here? Uh, not sure. Sounds like the guy, no one knows exactly truly what went on with this SEC investigation. There's been a lot of speculation in the years since, especially after he died. Uh, it sounds like the guy who lied about his resume, uh, you know, who later did so much shady shit, did some shady shit here, got, qua- got caught, then, you know, made up a story, another lie about why he quit. Yeah, all kinds, again, of speculation about uh, what he may or may not have done at Bear Stearns. Leaving Bear Stearns did not hurt Jeff's career. He quickly established his own financial consulting firm called Soft Girl Hands and Tight Man Muscles Incorporated. My my muscles are so tight. No, it was called Intercontinental Assets Group Incorporated. And here's where shit starts to get really weird with his backstory. 
Epstein reportedly helped clients that are uh, never named recover embezzled or stolen money. He said he assisted clients in recovering stolen money from fraudulent brokers and lawyers. Epstein described his work at the time as being basically a high-level bounty hunter. Uh, He also began telling friends and colleagues that he was an intelligence agent who even recovered lost uh, or stolen money for the U.S. government. He was dog the bounty hacker's assistant. No, Uh, this has never been proven. And the government denies he worked for them. But did he? Is it just classified? Is this when he maybe became some very important government asset, important enough for people in power to look the other way when he did shady shit with underage girls? Totally speculating here, but later free passes he will keep getting makes this feel possible, if not probable to me. Shit like this will add a lot of intrigue later for conspiracy theorists. By 1982, the following year, Epstein is supposedly done with his mysterious IAG company, and now Epstein establishes what was called the Little Lady Fingers Rubbing Harry Manskin Corporation. <laughs> kidding, kidding again, of course. No, now he establishes J. Epstein and Company, later renamed Financial Trust Company. And this is the company that will put him on the world stage. Epstein became a financial manager for billionaires only. According to a Vanity Fair interview, he said, I was the only person crazy enough or arrogant enough or misplaced enough to make my limit a billion dollars or more. Very few people need any more money when they have a billion dollars. The key is to not have it do more harm than anything else. You don't want to lose your money. Epstein told a colleague, I want people to understand the power, the responsibility, and the burden of their money. Epstein had a few rules. He charged a flat fee. It's never disclosed exactly what that was. Took total control of his client's money, which is insane to me, and assumed power of attorney to do anything he thought was necessary to advance his client's future, which is more insane to me. That's fucking crazy. This guy wasn't just good with numbers. He was clearly good with people too, real good. That he could talk people with so much money into putting him that in charge of their financial future, uh, pretty damn impressive. Epstein claimed that he worked for uh, multiple billionaires, but he may may have only worked for one. And one might have been enough. Uh, One might have been all he would need to build up a massive amount of wealth for himself. In 1987, Epstein, just 34 years old now, begins working with Leslie Wexner, Les Wexner, CEO of L Brands which includes companies like Victoria's Secret, Express, right? Bath and Body Works. I mentioned Lex earlier. Uh, This guy had lots of money and access to Victoria's Secret models. So right up Epstein's alley. Wexner, 50 years old at the time, estimated to be worth more than $2.5 billion. And Wexner gave Epstein full fucking control, full management of his vast personal fortune. From the very beginning, people thought this relationship was very strange. Why would Wexner trust Epstein with all his money when he wasn't a prominent figure in the financial world at that time, when he didn't need to invest all his money like that way? Many will later suspect that Wexner was the true source of much of Epstein's wealth, where it all really began. And of course, they will wonder what kind of dirt did Epstein have on Wexner to pull that shit off? I wonder about that. Epstein claimed he met Wexner in 1986. He would get annoyed when anyone said Wexner made him. But he did acknowledge that they had a special partnership. Uh, He uh, said, people have said, it's like we have one brain between us. Each has a side. His side thinks a lot about making tons of money. My side thinks a lot about, you know, using it to have sex with naked teenage girls. Uh, Maybe he didn't say that last thing, but he definitely thought it. Uh, He said the rest. Uh, Wexner also said, uh, I think we both possess the skill of seeing patterns. But Jeffrey sees patterns in politics and financial markets. I see patterns in lifestyle and fashion trends. My skills are not in investment strategy. And as everyone who knows Jeffrey knows, his are not in fashion and design. We frequently discuss world trends as each of us sees them. Well, you could fucking do that without giving him full control of your fortune. Uh, Through his connections with Wexner, Epstein served on various councils and commissions. 
the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, and the Institute of International Education. He's a true power player now, and now he is connected to more conspiracy lore, right? The Trilateralists. They have been a favorite subject uh, for Illuminati-type conspiracies for decades. I remember hearing about them in high school. Check out an excerpt from a Washington Post article published 30 years ago on April 25th, 1992, titled, Beware the Trilateral Commission. Behind closed doors, of course. They are meeting this weekend in Libsyn. Some call them the shadow government, the establishment, the global elite that runs the world. They call themselves simply the Trilateral Commission. Chills run up the spine. Depending on which conspiracy theory you subscribe to, and the Trilateral Commission has found its way into many, this 19-year-old organization is anti-American, anti-democratic, anti-Christian, or anti-worker, and is scheming ultimately to abolish the sovereignty of nations and establish a one-world government. According to Lyndon LaRouche, fringe political candidate, candidate, and convicted tax cheat. The Trilateral Commission is behind the international drug trade. A writer affiliated with the far-right Liberty Lobby says the commission is forever plotting to raise taxes on Americans, siphoning the money overseas. Evangelist Pat Robertson believes it is somehow linked to Freemasonry and the occult, that it springs from the depth of something that is evil. Uh, The roughly 350 members of the Trilateral Commission say this is all preposterous. Of course they do. Hiding in plain sight. Wake up, sheeple. Membership is always changing. The commission says it is merely a discussion group on world affairs composed of high-level corporate and public policy types from North America, Western Europe, and Japan. The commission say they seek only to promote international cooperation for the betterment of everybody. Nothing sinister. Its annual reports and task force papers are available for the public to read. Its membership list is not secret. Just ask the commission. They will send you stuff. Anyone can dial directory assistance and get its New York phone number. So that is, again, from the Washington Post. Uh, New World Order outpost or not, pretty impressive. Epstein was part of this uh, very hard-to-get-in group and other similar groups for a while. As his financial manager, Epstein had power over all of Wexner's private trusts and foundations, and he persuaded Wexner to help him get into all these groups because it was good for both of their financial futures. And I suppose it was. Uh, He even convinced Wexner to put him on the board of the Wexner, uh, Wexner Foundation in place of Lex's own mother, Bella. When Bella Wexner demanded her position back, they split the foundation in two so they wouldn't have to give it. Uh, Epstein said, I am there to represent my client. And if my client needs protecting, sometimes even from his own family, then it's often better that people hate me and not the client. And that is something a really good financial advisor and wealth custodian would say. Also something a shady ass con artist would say. Uh, Epstein quickly made a significant amount of money after he started working with Wexner. How much? We'll never know. His financial records never been made fully public. Uh, not the records from this time. We know how much that was in his trust when he died, but that's about it. Uh, we also, we know that over the next 10 years, he purchased several properties, including a $6.8 million mansion in Palm Beach, Florida in 1990. Uh, lived in the same area as Donald Trump and his Mar-a-Lago resort, an area known as Billionaire's Row. A new home built on the property after Epstein's was demolished, uh, sold in October of 2021 for just under $26 million. Expensive place to live. Except Epstein also bought himself a, a little home in Manhattan, not too far from the folks in Seagate. A little place that was reportedly the largest private home in the city, 9 East 71st Street. The Herbert N. Strauss House. A private residence with its own fucking Wikipedia page. Does your house have its own Wikipedia page? Me neither. I bet yours isn't uh, nearly as big or historic 
is this one. The home was formerly the Birch Wathen Lennox Private School, founded in 1916, an all-girls school until 1974, and then it moved to a different location in 1989. Another school for the upper crust of Manhattan. Uh, Barbara Walters, probably their most well-known alumni, small school of around 500 kids, K-12, through just under 50K a year to go there, way cheaper than the Dalton School. This is a school for fucking dumb, poor kids who will never be as good as Dalton kids ever. If that offends any Birch, Walton, Lennox alumni listening, good. Fuck off. Stop listening to Time Suck. You fucking rejects. I hate you so much. It's embarrassing to have such dumb, poor people listen to this show whose parents can only afford 50K a year and not 60K a year. Send their kids to kindergarten. Back to this house now. That uh, used, to, used to be a school, right? That then became Epstein's house. Has nine floors. Used to have seven. Uh, 51,000 square feet. That's insane. 15-foot-high solid oak front doors that were scarred by crowbars when investigators broke in after Epstein's arrest. Sidewalks in front of this building, uh, heated, you know, uh, no, no expenses spared. The original owner, Herbert N. Strauss, was heir to the Macy's department store fortune. His dad had died on the Titanic. Construction began, and we actually mentioned his dad, and that suck. Uh, construction began in 1930. Uh, Herbert never even lived in it, though. It was left slightly uncompleted in 1933, shortly before Herbert died of a heart attack at the age of 51. His sons found the home too expensive to finish. Property taxes were outrageous. They donated to the Catholic Church, who uses the home as a hospital for a while for soldiers coming home from World War II to recover. Epstein had a house in Manhattan big enough to previously operate as both a school and a hospital. And Epstein made this place fucking weird. Guests would later describe chairs upholstered in leopard print, a uh, twice life-size sculpture of a naked African warrior, framed picture of a woman holding an opium pipe, caressing a lion skin, Uh, In addition to photographs of pals like Woody Allen, (laughs) another perv, Bill Clinton, he's had a pervy pass, uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia, the Times reported shit like a life-sized female doll hanging from a chandelier and lots of pictures of nude women. So many. And a massage table, uh, of course, with sex toys and lube nearby, which I think is pretty standard. I mean, if if you uh, get a massage and don't have a dildo shoved into your butt, have have you really had a massage? How else are you supposed to loosen up your back? Uh, Lex Wexner had bought the home for $13 million in 1989, and then he put millions into renovations. And then, this is weird, 1995, he gave it to Epstein, or rather Epstein gave it to himself because he had full control of Wexner's fortune. Not not suspicious at all. Quite the gift. Uh, Then Epstein spent another $10 million in renovations saying, I don't want to live in another person's house. Hmm. So did Lex give this or allow this house to go to Epstein as a reward for making him a lot more than $13 million with his wealth building skills? Uh, did he let him have it just because he's a really generous friend or did Epstein have dirt on him? Was it payment maybe for Epstein uh, supplying him with something hard to buy like sex trafficked teenagers? Totally speculating again, but sure looks, sure looks fucking suspicious. Uh, the house was valued at $77 million upon Epstein's arrest, sold for a cool $51 million uh, to a former Goldman Sachs executive in March of 2021. So someone got a sale price, right? They got that for a sweet, sweetheart deal. Just uh, $51 million because of the home's association with Epstein, I guess. Uh, Epstein also purchased a Gulfstream 4, right? A jet, a helicopter, a Boeing 727 jet from Wexner's company, or was given it. By the early 2000s, Epstein reportedly managed $15 billion for his clients, whoever they were outside of Wexner. Or maybe he didn't manage that much money. That's just what he said. Uh, Epstein did like to brag about his wealth. He clearly uh, had a lot. Maybe he lied to act like he had even more though. Epstein said he wanted to be known for his grand and eclectic possessions. He wanted the Manhattan house because, quote, 
He could never live anywhere bigger. By the early 2000s, Epstein would build up his business to the point he reportedly had about 150 administrative staff. Epstein uh, said he still made all the investment calls, though. And most of his employees, no surprise here, uh, were found to be attractive and very young women. And I'm sure none of them were ever aggressively sexually harassed. Backing up to 1987 again, the year he began managing Wexter's money, Epstein also began consulting for a collecting agency called Tower Financial. Uh, actually, the Tower Financial Corporation, which would turn out to be a $500 million Ponzi scheme, promising to take over clients' debts. A con artist consulting for another con artist. Epstein worked with CEO Stephen Hoffenberg to develop a corporate rating strategy to take over other corporations. Hoffenberg would later plead guilty to SEC charges in connection to $475 million in fraud, one of the biggest Ponzi scheme busts in U.S. history. He was arrested in 1994, and he wouldn't get out of prison until 2013. And Hoffenberg implicated Epstein as his uncharged co-conspirator in the Ponzi scheme. Epstein was never charged, never arrested. Hoffenberg, now 75 years old, has repeatedly said since his release from prison that Epstein was the mastermind behind this scheme. Epstein was accused of seeding a hedge fund he would create and making tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars from with money stolen from Hoffenberg's clients in this Ponzi scheme. And a Ponzi scheme, uh, we've defined it before, but it's been a while, is an investment fraud that pays existing investors with funds collected from new investors. They tend to claim an insane annual return rate on investments like uh, 20, 30, even 50%. And they give some people that kind of return enough for those people to get the word out, tell their friends so they can take a lot more money in, uh, you know, and then it inevitably falls apart, inevitably falls apart when too many people want their money back at once. And then people find out that all the seed money was either never invested at all, or at the very least not invested in what it was claimed to be invested in. And the magical returns that people were getting in that uh, Ponzi scheme, well, that's just new people's money coming in. Uh, Still got to suck Bernie Madoff, his giant Ponzi scheme of all Ponzi schemes one of these days. Hoffenberg met Epstein in London in the the 80s. The CEO of a European company he knew had uh, called Epstein a brilliant man, but one with a upside down moral compass. And that appealed to Hoffenberg. Of course it did. He was a guy prepping a fucking Ponzi scheme. Brilliant and immoral was the exact combination he was looking for. Hoffenberg interviewed Epstein. They started doing business together. They were close friends, traveled together on Hoffenberg's plane. According to Hoffenberg, Epstein left Bear Stearns because he was caught executing illegal operations. Sounds right. Also, according to Hoffenberg and others, Epstein was the real mastermind again behind the Ponzi scheme, uh, but never charged with any financial crimes. Hoffenberg said that he never gave any evidence against Epstein at the trial because Epstein told him he was a federal witness. Was he? Seems weird that he would just take Epstein's word on that. Maybe others confirmed it. And again, more conspiracy fodder, uh, more associations with the federal government, which come up a lot with Epstein way before he got caught, right? Uh, I think he probably was working for the government in some capacity. Also, did Epstein have dirt on Hoffenberg, right? Dirt that could have put Hoffenberg away for a lot longer than 20 years. Is that why, like the real reason he didn't rat on Epstein? Maybe part of the reason? I don't know. Uh, He did talk a lot of shit about Epstein after he was sent to prison. So maybe that doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't know. It's all so mysterious. Epstein stopped working with Hoffenberg in 1990, a few years before the company fell apart in 1993. And you know who he then started working with? A little suck-to-suck connection here. Uh, recent parent murderer and current business mogul, Lyle Menendez. Lyle had just opened, adding to his recent chicken wing acquisition, Menendez Investment Enterprises near Princeton, New Jersey, not far from where Epstein kept some of his jets. Right? Remember that former sponsor? Uh, here's an old commercial Lyle made before his arrest back in 1989. Hi. 
I'm Lau Menendez, convicted murderer and businessman. Do you like money? Rolex watches? Sports cars? Condos on the beach and business? Do you like chicken wings? Do you like massages? Well, me and my new business partner, Jeffrey Epstein, have a business opportunity for you. We are adding an underage massage parlor to Mr. Buffalo's in Princeton and renaming the entire enterprise to Chicken Wings and Teen Girl Massage Things. Get the Jamaican rub boneless wings and some Lolita rub out of that tight boner and things special for just $99.99. Profit, interest, return on investments, wealth building, tight hamstrings, rub and tug. These are just some of the business and massage terms I've heard other people say over the years, and I'd like you to teach those terms to me. If any of this appeals to you, call 1-800-BUSINESS. I wrote a jingle to help you remember it. Call 1-800-BUSINESS if you like business, 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 800 with a one in front. It's business, business, Princeton money, profit business, massages, Illuminati, so much business, chicken wings, and teen girl massage things, business. Uh, that's, of course, nonsense. That was obnoxious, I'm sure. Uh, that was a reference to a different episode. But Epstein's shady business dealings in the late 80s did remind me of Lyle Menendez, who wanted to be some version of Epstein, but, you know, uh, didn't have much of a brain. Back to reality now. Epstein's weird reality. Epstein worked with Hoffenberg and Wexner at the same time. And according to Hoffenberg, he made frequent trips to Ohio on Wexner's jet. Epstein told Hoffenberg that he could control Wexner's emotions and his pocketbook because Wexner was fascinated with him and adored him. Maybe Epstein didn't have any dirt on Wexner. Maybe he just uh, really, really manipulated that guy, bent him around his dirty finger like a, like a cult leader. That could happen. 1996, Epstein moved his financial trust company to the U.S. Virgin Islands to avoid paying federal or state taxes. Uh, that loophole seems to have been closed if you're thinking about trying to do the same. I'm sure there's new loopholes that some savvy finance and tax guy like Epstein would uh, know all about how to exploit. 1998, Epstein purchased a 72-acre island for just under $8 million. He bought one of the U.S. Virgin Islands, Little St. James. Big status flex. Another place with his own Wikipedia page. Dude was now able to get in his helicopter in Manhattan after leaving his 50,000 square foot fucking super mansion, be flown to a private airport, get in one of his private planes, be flown to the U.S. Virgin Islands, get another one of his helicopters, be flown to the little St. James Island, where a staff of up to 70 people awaited him and his guests, preparing lavish meals, uh, making sure the bar is stocked, turning the sheets, prepping the massage tables, laying out massage oils, maybe some lube, possibly some sex toys, right? All after signing non-disclosure agreements. You get it. A venture capitalist, Alan Cumming, had owned the islands previously. Almost 20 years later, in 2016, Epstein will acquire the neighboring Great St. James Island for almost $20 million, and he was in the process of developing a new estate there leading up until his 2019 arrest. My God, had a small island nation there by the end. Little St. James, right? Around 70 acres, Great St. James, 161 acres, over 230 acres of Caribbean island with no legal oversight. No cops ever stopping by. Little fiefdom where he was a fucking pervy king. Little St. James, where an untold amount of sexual abuse went down, uh, has a helipad, private dock, two pools, four guest villas, alongside a main residential compound, three private beaches, full gym, tiki hut, even has a fucking gas station for the little utility vehicles that he would have on his island to drive around from one residence to another. Uh, Great, Great St. James, largely untouched, but had a marine preserve called Christmas Cove within the property, or has one. 
not had. Uh, Yahoo News reported that Epstein had drawn up plans for several homes there, an amphitheater, an underwater office, gigantic pool complex, so much more to be built on his second fantasy island. Two islands were just recently listed for sale. Uh, You can be in the running to buy them if you want to make an offer of probably quite a bit more than the listing price of $125 million. Got to make sure you beat out the other bidders. Unreal. Uh, Little St. James was technically home for tax purposes, at least, to the Jeffrey Epstein Six Foundation, described as a philanthropic organization funding innovative research and programs in science, medicine, education, and international affairs. Uh, You can read more about it at the website, somehow still limping along. Uh, He must have bought quite the hosting package, jeffreyepstein.org. The last article posted on the homepage before his life came crashing down talks about the organization helping to fund NeuroTV, the largest online network devoted to academic interviews on everything neuroscience. Doesn't seem like NeuroTV survived Epstein's arrest and subsequent loss of funding. Epstein would go on to donate about $20 million a year to advance scientific causes or experimental research through this foundation and other companies he created. In 2003, Epstein will donate $30 million to Harvard. When a topic interested him enough, he would send his favorite scientist a check to conduct research. For example, he, uh, he'll fund an experiment for Harvard psychologist Stephen Coslin. Epstein wanted to know if it was true that monks could hold an image in their mind for 20 minutes straight. So he just funded a bunch of research to find out. Uh, that experiment did not yield the results he was hoping for. Uh, Coslin said in 2002, Jeff was on his cell phone most of the time. He actually wanted to short the Tibetan market because he thought the monk was so stupid. <laughs> Uh, he is amazing. Like a honeybee, he talks to all these different people and cross-pollinates. Just two months ago, I was talking to him about a new alternative to evolutionary psychology. He got excited and just sent me a check. Man, how fucking wild to be able to fund just spontaneously whatever interests you, right? Like, what if you? What, what would you fund if you had hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars? You know, you've already bought yourself your dream home or, or fucking four dream homes like Epstein had. Uh, you have an island, maybe two. You're making more money than ever. They have a plane, helicopter, yacht, whatever the fuck you want, uh, you know, in that regard you have. Donating tens of millions of dollars will not change your lifestyle one bit. So what do you fund? My mind goes very quickly to donuts. I mean, yeah, they're really good tasting, but they're not great for you. What if I could donate hundreds of millions of dollars to donut scientists so they could finally create the tastiest donut ever that is also high in protein, no sugar, packed with vitamins, maybe a healthy alternative to shitty ass vegetables. Fuck you, nature. I don't want your vegetables. I want vitamin donuts. Maybe that's not where my mind went, but that's not the worst thing to fund. No, I think I would fund robots in all seriousness, right? That are also sex robots, but not just that. Okay, I'm obsessed with Westworld and I'm not ashamed of it. Long run wise, advanced sex robots, an important step towards the possibility of human immortality, right? And immortality aside, how fun to fuck sex robots. If they're very lifelike, Currently, I'd probably fund a UK-based robotics company called Engineered Arts. Late last year, they released their first video for a bipedal humanoid robot called Amica. If you want your fucking mind blown, just pause this episode. Look this up. Go on YouTube. Put in Amica, right? Just A-M-E-C-A. You can put that in with Engineered Arts. It is unreal. They programmed this robot to perform this 40-second, it's not very long, 40-second emotional sequence of facial expressions and hand gestures and arm movements that is so smooth. It looks very realistic, like scary how realistic it looks. Its eyes, uh, smile, subtle expression changes are so human, I feel weird calling it it. 
I mean, they still have a lot of work to do when it comes to the movements of the mouth looking human during speech, but Amica massive leap forward from Sophia, the creation of Hanson Robotics Lab in Hong Kong just a few years back. We talked about one of the very first time sick episodes. Uh, Disney actually doing some wild shit with robots too. Insanely fluid, realistic motion, aerial acrobatics even with, uh, you know, advances in animatronics they've made. And Boston Dynamics, what new tricks do they have up their sleeves? They're Atlas robots. They're better at doing parkour than almost any human. When do realistic human-like robots hit the marketplace where they can be home assistants who can clean, let the dogs out, feed the dogs, defend anyone in the home against intruders, maybe, you know, fuck you, let let you fuck them. Uh, I would put money towards speeding that along for sure. Let's get the top engineers at Boston Dynamics and Engineered Arts working with the best designers at Real Doll. Maybe scale back the boob ratios, little bit nerds. They're a wee bit top-heavy right now. Anyway, Epstein used his connections and money to work with Nobel Prize winners like Murray Gell-Mann, Stephen Hawking, uh, Stephen Jay Gould, uh, Oliver Sacks, George Church, Frank Wilzik, hosted numerous scientists at dinner parties, took them on his private jets, hosted conferences, uh, invited them to stay on his island. Some accepted. Who knows how many, uh, you know, used uh, the underage masseuses I'm sure he provided. Who knows how many of the, them came to the island mostly because of Epstein's, you know, kind of forced escorts, sex trafficked women, many of whom were underage. If he wasn't such a fucking sexual predator, Epstein could have been akin to Elon Musk, right? Someone using their enormous wealth, not just for status, but to push tech forward. One topic that Epstein often brought up uh, over these dinners was spreading his DNA. Uh, Epstein wanted to quote, seed the human race with his DNA. (laughs) An idea he first brought up in 2001. Uh, Such a modest fella. Excuse me. Uh, He planned to house at least 20 women at his New Mexico ranch and inseminate them. We'll talk about his ranch here in a bit. Uh, he was inspired by the Repository for Germinal Choice. I don't know that I've, that I've heard of this place before. The Repository for Germinal Choice was a sperm bank based in Escondido, California from 1980 to 1999. Commonly believed to have accepted sperm donations only from Nobel Prize winners. That's not what they ended up doing, but that's what the sperm bank wanted to do. But then they realized that there's not many of those guys out there. And most of those guys don't want to donate their sperm. And the few that do typically have a pretty old set of balls and not very good sperm counts. So they expanded their search to include donors from among the ranks of non-Nobel Prize winning younger scientists and academics, people considered to be strong candidates to win in the future, right? You got, you got a big brain and young, tight sack of balls? Get in here and jerk off into a cup, you silly son of a bitch. Attention all nerd studs. Do you have a big brain, young tight balls, and a strong desire to see more of yourself out in the world? Want to get paid to impregnate real women? Want your sperm to enter actual vaginas and not just end up on your stomach or inside a dirty sock again? Well, get yourself down to Escondido. Walk that wood right into the repository for germinal choice. We have real women working there that want your nerd stud sperm. Hot ladies with real vaginas who can't wait to fill your nerd loads inside of them. So many real breathing women who will pay you good money to spill your seed into their real-life moist lady vaginas. So bring your big brains and your young, tight balls down to the repository for germinal choice and you get paid to fill lady vaginas with your hot, young, nerd, stud sperm. Please note the repository for germinal choice is a sperm bank and you will not actually touch or see any real vaginas. If a real woman does touch you, she will be wearing plastic gloves and if you touch her back, the police will be called and charges will be filed. You will be alone, just like always, masturbating into a cup in a sterile, sad room lit by fluorescent lights and paid only if your sperm count is satisfactory. Please bring your SAT score, IQ test results, resume, and your young, tight balls to the repository for germinal choice where real vaginas await your hot, young, nerd stud sperm. 
You know, something like that. I'm not sure exactly what their ads were, but you know, maybe not, maybe in that ballpark. Uh, this burn bank was founded and managed by Robert Clark Graham, a businessman who'd made a fortune years earlier when he had developed shatterproof plastic eyeglass lenses. Ah, oh, the weird inventions people can make to just make them so much money. Uh, then he became a big eugenics guy, better humans through better breeding. Uh, at least, you know, his eugenics program uh, wasn't about race like Hitler's. It was about uh, IQ. When Robert died in 1997 at the age of 90, another guy took over for a few years before shutting the place down. It wasn't very profitable. Uh, sounds like it was a huge pain in the ass to run because it was very hard to get the right donors. And this little system only works if the customers also have very high IQs. The double screening process made it a little hard to operate a business. Uh, but there were articles published about a large percentage of the children who were born from the sperm bank becoming very high academic achievers. Uh, it's weird, but actually not a terrible idea. I mean, the whole concept of Mike Judge's iconic and seemingly prophetic movie, Idiocracy, based on smart people not having enough kids and not so smart people having too many kids, way too many kids. Not the worst idea, in my opinion, to try and counteract that trend. You know, actually, it's a great idea. I mean, if you're going to get some sperm to have a baby, would you rather have it from a Nobel Prize winner or a future Nobel Prize winner or a guy who almost but didn't quite get his GED in prison after he was serving time for getting caught, uh, you know, for armed robbery, for forgetting to wear a mask when he held up his neighborhood 7-Eleven, something like that. Uh, Epstein was a believer in not just transhumanism, but also in this type of eugenics, improving the human population through genetic engineering, which I guess does feed into transhumanism. Uh, This experiment was no secret. All his friends knew about it. He openly spoke about it with scientists over dinner. Uh, One of Epstein's multiple companies, excuse me, uh, Southern Trust Engage, or Southern Trust Engage in DNA analysis, uh, a hopeful step towards genetic engineering. And in 2011, he donated $20,000 to the World Transhumanist Association, now called Humanity Plus, also donated $100,000 to pay the salary of Ben Gortzel, vice chairman of Humanity Plus. Uh, This group uh, mostly hosts international conferences on AI and transhumanism and is still around. Okay, back to Epstein's Island. Uh, Little St. James would become known, of course, as Pedophile Island, also nicknamed Island of Sin, where Epstein conducted God knows how many sex trafficking operations. Some of the victims he abused there alleged to be as young as 12 years old. That is so disturbing. I have a 14-year-old daughter. She is so young. 12 is so, so young. Right on the edge of, uh, you know, pre-pubescent. Oftentimes at that age, pre-pubescent. Shortly after buying his first big island, Epstein also purchased a massive ranch near Stanley, New Mexico, because why the fuck not? According to Vanity Fair, the ranch, 7,500 acres called Zorro. Land alone costs 18 million. Man, 7,500, that is huge. That's almost 12 square miles. A lot of privacy, just like the island. Big place where no one can see what kind of shady shit you're doing. Where if someone tries to escape, gonna be hard. Uh, for them to easily get away. Uh, it's now for sale, this price of just $27.5 million. Uh, on this property, he built a 26,700 square foot mansion described in reports as twice as large as the next largest home in the county. Epstein told Vanity Fair the Zorro Ranch made his 40-room Manhattan mansion look like a shack. The main residence at Zorro Ranch, a three-level, four-bedroom structure with large indoor pool, gym, grand living room, library, and more, Uh, According to Sotheby's listing, the exceptionally appointed kitchen has room for an entire cooking staff. And it did have a cooking staff when Epstein was there. Uh, Near the ranch entrance, uh, or near the ranch entrance is, was Ranch Central, small fucking village for staff with 10 structures, including a seven bay heated garage, ranch office, firehouse, and the property's original Adobe residence that has uh, been expanded. And I guess that is still there. Uh, There's a two bedroom yellow house, three bedroom red house. 
uh, with no sizes listed and a 1650 square foot two bedroom blue house with a tennis court that doubles as a basketball court. So a ranch also has a three bedroom lodge, <laughs> Jesus Christ, and an off the grid log cabin, as well as a 4,400 uh, foot airstrip with an aircraft hangar and a helipad. <laughs> so essentially he had a private town out in the New Mexico desert in addition to his island fiefdom. You know, Manhattan Palace, Florida fuckpad, all four locations in addition to his private planes were where he would sexually abuse women and girls and allegedly pimp them out to his famous friends. Uh, In the early 2000s, Epstein began financing media companies, developing securities funding, investing further in hedge funds and startups. With the big-time seed money he made working for Lex Wexner and maybe also from Hoffenberg's Ponzi scheme and from uh, who knows where else, combined with his financial know-how and mathematical mind, he was off to the races with his wealth building. So where did Epstein get all the money to fund all this shit? Epstein said uh, that his uh, fee and his skill at pay, playing the stock market made him all his you know, wealth, his money. And maybe that's true. Maybe. Or maybe he swindled a lot of his wealth from Lex Wexner and others like him. An investor told Landon, an investor told, uh, uh, sorry, investor named Landon Thomas Jr. told New York Magazine in 2002, uh, my belief is that Jeff maintained some sort of money management firm though you won't get a straight answer from him. He once told me he had 300 people working for him. I've also heard that he manages Rockefeller money, but one never knows. It's like looking at the Wizard of Oz. There may be less there than meets the eye. Another prominent figure on Wall Street said, he is this mysterious Gatsby-esque figure. He likes people to think he's very rich and he cultivates an air of aloofness. The whole thing is weird. Man, sometimes researching this week, Epstein reminded me of a more successful version of Anna Delvey from Netflix's Inventing Anna, right? That Russian-German con artist who bullshitted her way into the top, you know, uber-wealthy New York socialite circles. She didn't have Epstein's sexual predatory nature, also didn't have his financial acumen. As part of his financial trust company, that billionaires-only investing group, Epstein worked with maybe uh, four, or at least had connections to, extremely wealthy people outside of Wexner, including Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Bill Gates, Kevin Spacey, Alan Dershowitz, and Prince Andrew. Uh, the Clintons reportedly worth $120 million. So he opened the door to more than millionaires. Uh, speaking engagements, consulting fees, book deals, et cetera, have served them pretty well. After leaving the White House, millions of dollars in debt, actually. Uh, we'll explore the cons- conspiracy that they had Epstein killed next week. It's probably the most popular one out there. Uh, Gawker would obtain and publish Epstein's address book in late 2014, publish it in 2015. It included more politicians, actors, and celebrities. Epstein called his friends a collection. He said in 2002, I invest in people, be it politics or science, it's what I do. An important part of Epstein's collection of people was Ghislaine Maxwell, a British socialite and Epstein's one-time girlfriend. Let's get to know her a bit, since she'd go on to become Epstein's infamous partner in crime. Right after our mid-show sponsor break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out, sleep, read a book, play Fortnite, Call your mom, take judo lessons, finally watch all the episodes of Shameless. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we had more time. But why? Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The bad news is that you're not going to get that 25th hour. But what you can probably do is reprioritize where you spend some of your time. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it with your time. This year, my health is more important to me than cranking out another stand-up special as fast as possible. So I canceled a tour, sacrificed that income, and decided to spend a lot of the time I just got back working out more, resting more, relaxing more, and enjoying time with family, friends, and just myself. And I'm so glad I did. I feel better than I have in a long time. 
And my BetterHelp therapist, Debbie, was very helpful in getting me to make the decision to pull back. Thank you, Debbie. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TimeSuck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TimeSuck. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything... Is that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, what's the catch? Well, there isn't one, really. They cut the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. It's pretty simple. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month and no catch. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts over. And in addition to saving money, like over a 50% price drop from what I was paying before, the network quality, in my experience, is better than it was with my old service provider. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash timesuck. That's mintmobile.com slash timesuck. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash timesuck. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Thanks to Rocket Money, I canceled a membership to a gym I used to go to where I continued to pay a monthly membership for a couple of years after I stopped going. I didn't even recognize the charge. Rocket Money found it though, and it was canceled. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. That's rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. Rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel has over 10 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I've been working on my restaurant skills lately. ¿Cuál es el pescado del día? Excelente. Mi encanto pargo rojo frito. Y me gustaría un poco de huevo de naranja fresco. You may not know what I said, but my waiter in Mexico will, thanks to Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash timesuck. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash timesuck. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash timesuck. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
Thanks for listening to the sponsors to support the show. Uh, if you're going to buy any of what you just heard anyway, please use our discount codes and or landing pages so they know where you hear the ads. And thank you for doing so. Uh, let's reconnect now with Epstein's pedophile wing woman. Ghislaine Maxwell, born on December 25th, 1961, outside of Paris. Youngest of nine children of Robert Maxwell. We met Robert earlier. He stole millions from his company's pension fund to keep his investments afloat towards the end of what had been up to that point, mostly an incredible career. Uh, Robert, like Epstein, died under mysterious circumstances. November 5th, 1991, Maxwell was found floating in the ocean near the Canary Islands. His yacht crew had been looking for him all day after he disappeared with no explanation. A lot of people speculated he was murdered by the KGB or MI6. Medical examiners uh, examiners were unsure about Maxwell's cause of death, leading to speculation, yeah, he was murdered. Uh, but he also had a bad heart. It was under a lot of stress. Might have just had a heart attack and then drowned. Or was murdered. Uh, there are uh, a few very interesting similarities between Epstein and Maxwell's death. They were both on the brink of financial and social ruin. They both had ties to powerful people, knew secrets, conducted illegal business operations. Uh, Ghislaine moved to New York shortly after her father's death, met Epstein. Maybe Epstein reminded her of her dad just months after her dad's death in 92. She was 31. He was 39. She'd be Epstein's only real serious relationship. But Epstein, even with her, refused to call her his girlfriend. He would call her his best friend instead. Dude was just not monogamous. Rather than emotionally connect with one other mature person in a deep and meaningful uh, meaningful way, he preferred to, uh, you know, uh, rape a bunch of kids. Maxwell introduced Epstein to all of her friends, including Bill Clinton and Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew just finally recently paid one of the women Epstein and he allegedly sexually abused in a civil settlement on February 15th of this year, uh, Virginia Gouffre, the Epstein victim who has become the public face of his victims. Financial terms of the settlement, not disclosed, but in addition to paying Virginia, uh, what I imagine had to be a large sum of money, the disgraced Prince Andrew also agreed to make a large donation to a charity for victims' rights. The deal came just weeks before Andrew was scheduled to sit for a uh, deposition in which he would have been questioned under oath by Ms. Gouffray's lawyers. So obviously the settlement makes him look uh, real guilty. Also, per a statement, uh, Buckingham Palace released in January this year, Andrew was forced to relinquish his military titles and royal charities, no longer was to use the title His Royal Highness, and was not to undertake any public duties. The suit against Andrew claimed that he, Mr. Epstein, and Ghislaine had forced Ms. Gouffray to have sexual intercourse with Andrew at Ms. Maxwell's home in London in early 2001 when she was 17. Ms. Gouffray feared repercussions if she disobeyed the three because of their powerful connections, wealth, and authority, the lawsuit said. Maxwell worked with Epstein many years after their breakup, uh, right up until his final arrest. Former employees described her as the house manager of the Palm Beach Mansion, a frequent guest of all of Epstein's residences. Gouffray said she was the person who recruited her to be Epstein's masseuse. And she said Gouffray, in addition to Epstein, frequently sexually abused her and pimped her out to numerous other people like former New Mexico governor Bill Richardson. Richardson has, not surprisingly, denied those charges. Uh, Maxwell recruited numerous girls and managed their payments for Epstein. How fucking gross. Uh, From girlfriend to ex-girlfriend to underage pimp and co-molester. Sort of a rose to his Fred West. Uh, Epstein victim Sarah Ransom told BBC, Ghislaine controlled the girls. She was like the madam. She was like the nuts and bolts of the sex trafficking operation. In a 2016 deposition, Maxwell admitted that her work included hiring many people, all sorts of people. A very small part of my job was from time to time to find adult professional massage therapists for Jeffrey. As far as I'm concerned, everyone who came to his house was an adult professional person. Eh, no. Uh, Ghislaine finally got punished 
for her real role in all this. After a bit of a international, where the fuck is this lady hunt? Maxwell arrested July 2nd, 2020 at one of her homes in Bradford, New Hampshire. She was charged with six counts, including transportation of a minor with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity and perjury. She pled not guilty to all those charges. Uh, she was accused of bringing girls into Epstein's homes to show them what to do and also of participating in recruiting girls for sexual abuse. Epstein and Maxwell lured girl, girls in with promises of money, friendships, education, and career advancements. And on December 29th, 2021, uh, Maxwell found guilty on five of the six counts, uh, conspiracy to entice minors to travel to engage in illegal sex acts, conspiracy to transport minors with the intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, transportation of a minor with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, conspiracy to commit sex trafficking and sex trafficking of minors. Uh, the charge of her actually fucking a lot of these girls as well, harder to prove, but it seems like she was absolutely guilty of that as well. And she is currently awaiting sentencing. Uh, her sentence could easily end up being a life sentence for her. Just one of the charges she was found guilty of carries a maximum sentence of 40 years, and she's 60 years old. A uh, good chance she'll die in prison for the crime she committed alongside Epstein, and I certainly hope she does. Uh, just recently, Tuesday, April 5th, the judge in New York rejected her lawyer's arguments for a retrial based on a juror who helped convict her, uh, failing to disclose that he was sexually abused as a child. Her tentative sentencing date currently set for June 28th. Now let's jump back to 2002. That year, Epstein flew to Africa on his private plane, the Lolita Express, with Bill Clinton. Obviously, it wasn't called that publicly. <laughs> uh, Chris Tucker and another dude who seemed to also like to molest teens, teen boys this time, uh, acclaimed actor, now disgraced actor, Kevin Spacey. Uh, he's seen his career pretty much go away after having been accused by multiple plaintiffs of molesting boys as young as 14. Uh, Chris Tucker, the only one of those four who has not, from what I can tell, ever gotten in trouble for anything sex-related. Bill Clinton had organized a week-long tour of South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, Rwanda, and Mozambique uh, to tour AIDS prevention and treatment sites. Clinton's aide, Doug Band, connected him to Epstein because he had a private plane. Uh, I bet Bill was pretty pissed at Doug uh, when Jeffrey was revealed to be a pedophile. Or he was also sleeping with underage masseuses and was just pissed that the whole operation was exposed. Uh, Clinton said after the trip, Jeffrey is both a highly successful financier and a committed philanthropist with a keen sense of global markets and an ind uh, and an in-depth knowledge of 21st century science. I guess meant to say, and has. Uh, I especially appreciated his insights and generosity during the recent trip to Africa to work on democratization, empowering the poor, citizen service, and combating HIV AIDS. Uh, one of the women who later would speak out about being raped by Epstein, a woman pimped out by Maxwell, Shante Davies, who was 22 at the time, accompanied these guys in the trip as a masseuse, along with several secret service agents, uh, and uh, later talked about the trip, she had little to say, good or bad, about Chris Tucker or Kevin Spacey. Of Clinton, she said in a 2020 interview with The Sun, it was like I was at camp with the most unimaginable group of campers one could put together. Everybody cracked jokes at one another. Clinton was chiming in, cracking jokes along with us, and we were all laughing and bonding over corny jokes. A movie was put on. Everyone took either a seat in the giant armchairs or on the floor. We watched it all together. Eventually, everyone fell asleep to the movie. Davies denied that any misconduct occurred with Clinton said he was a complete gentleman the entire time. She said Clinton was a great guy on the trip. He'd sit around on the plane with a cigar in his mouth that barely even smelled like pussy, playing cards between flights. Uh, she didn't say the pussy part. Uh, when Clinton smoking a cigar comes up around a young woman in the early, in the early 20s, it's just hard not to reference the uh, Lewinsky sex capades that Congress voted to impeach him over. If you just rolled your eyes, I don't blame you. It's a tired old, tired old joke. Uh, she continues, I wrote in my journal at the time that I wished he could be president again. He was charismatic and funny and kind and personable. 
It was obvious he cared about not just our country, but the world. He was a gracious host. Uh, Clinton, prior to this interview, had previously issued a statement regarding his travel on Epstein's plane and insisted he knew nothing about the financier's crimes. Uh, President Clinton knows nothing about the terrible crimes Jeffrey Epstein pled guilty to in Florida some years ago or those with which he previously had been charged in New York. The statement said, continuing with, in 2002 and 2003, President Clinton took a total of four trips on Jeffrey Epstein's airplane, one to Europe, one to Asia, two to Africa, which included stops in connection with the Clinton Foundation. Staff, supporters of the foundation, and his Secret Service detail traveled on every leg of every trip. And that is a detail that gets left out with uh, both Clinton and Trump's connections to Epstein. Uh, The main targets of conspiracies regarding who else, you know, was molesting teen girls with Epstein. It wasn't just Epstein and one of those dudes and a bunch of teen sex slaves and, uh, you know, on on a trip. Uh, Especially with Clinton, former U.S. president, he he was never traveling alone with Epstein, right? Had Secret Service with him. Uh, Clinton, Tucker, Spacey, just three of the many people who would take trips on the Lolita Express. Noted journalist, political expert, uh, author Michael Wolff did an article on Epstein for Vanity Fair in 2007 and rode on that infamous plane. And Wolf wrote, Epstein was followed onto the plane by, how shall I say this? By three teenage girls, not his daughters. At one point when his troubles began, he was talking to me and said, what can I say? I like young girls. I said, maybe you should say, I like young women. Jesus. Epstein, 54 years old in 2007, hopping onto a plane with three fucking teen girls, not even hiding this uh, as he's being interviewed. Pretty brazen. This is after he had already been investigated for sex crimes in Florida. Oh my God. He, he'd, been, he'd been rich and powerful for so long at this point, surrounded by you know so much wealth and power, surrounded by staff that either helped him abuse like Ghislaine Maxwell or by staff paid to look the other way or by people I imagine who just chose to look the other way because they wanted something from him, didn't want to blow an opportunity to make a lot of money with him. Or, you know, surrounded by people who also wanted to have sex with teen girls. He'd been in an echo chamber for years now, you know, just with people who I doubt did much of anything else other than verbally suck his dick. That seems to be a great recipe for creating various kinds of monsters, right? Being surrounded by people who will never call you out for being fucking gross or for being an asshole. Let's back up two years now to the start of the uh, troubles Michael Wolf was referring to in 2007. In uh, March of 2005, the stepmother of a 14-year-old girl from Palm Beach, Florida, called the authorities to report that Jeffrey Epstein had abused her daughter. The stepmom reported that her daughter's friend's mother called her to say she overheard her daughter discussing how she met with an older man and had been paid to have sex with him. 14 years old. He's 52. Uh, If he would have had a kid at 20 and she would have had a kid at 18, he'd have a 14-year-old right? Himself at the age of 52, 14-year-old grand, granddaughter. Oh my God. The age discrepancy, the older you get, the more you should know better makes all this even grosser to me. A subsequent investigation quickly reveals that dozens of young women and minors have likely been sexually abused by Epstein. Dozens, just in Florida, not counting those who were sexually abused in New Mexico or Manhattan or on his private fuck dungeon island or uh, at any of Maxwell's homes in the UK or elsewhere around the world he may have been. I wonder how many times that motherfucker went to like Thailand or some other country notorious for underage sex trafficking. Uh, these allegations were actually not what put Epstein on the radar uh, for the Palm Beach police. They already knew about him. They were familiar with him. He had visited police chief Michael Ryder in 2001 to discuss making a $100,000 bribe, I mean donation, to the police department. Doesn't sound like it was accepted. Wonder why not. Uh, what other police may have Epstein paid off over the years though? Were uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands authorities you know, down near Little St. James, paid to uh, steer clear of ever coming to the island. 
2003, Chief Ryder had received reports from neighbors that there was a large, alarming number of young women coming and going to and from Epstein's residence. Officers spoke to a few women, said they were office workers, very young office workers. Whole thing was suspicious enough for Ryder to easily remember it two years later. 2005, the Palm Beach police speak to the 14-year-old victim who gives a detailed description of the perpetrator. And they know right away she's talking about Epstein. Man, imagine if that's your daughter, your sister, you, that motherfucker. Palm Beach detective Joe Riccari conducted interviews with other girls who were also victims. All of them said they initially thought they were just there to give Epstein massages. But then once the massage began, they were either sexually assaulted or at the very least, Epstein exposed himself to them and tried to initiate a sexual assault before they were able to flee. Victims kept naming other victims. The list of victims kept growing and growing. Most of them didn't want to prosecute Epstein because they were fucking terrified. They were scared of him and how powerful he was. They were worried about how much havoc he could and harm he could wreak on their lives and their families' lives uh, with all that wealth and power. Too bad one angry dad didn't remind Epstein that when you get a loaded gun put to your head and someone pulls the trigger, no amount of money, no amount of power can put your fucking brain back together, right? Guns are great equalizers that way. The powerful, the powerless, their heads explode the same way. Uh, While he was being investigated, Epstein fought back, not the actions of an innocent man with nothing to hide. He hired private investigators to dig up dirt on his accusers, even on the police, even on prosecutors working the case, right? His go-to here is attempted blackmail. Makes me think again of Lex Wexner. I'll forever wonder if he controlled that guy's finances because Lex was worried about Epstein bringing him down with proof of him having sex with underage girls or God knows what else. Uh, Excuse me, a complaint filed in early 2021 by an Epstein victim alleged that not only did Epstein sexually abuse her and other young women at Lex Wexner's Ohio mega mansion, yet another place Epstein assaulted women. The complaint also accused Lex and his wife, Abigail, of knowingly letting Epstein use their home for liaisons with victims. Uh, The complaint alleged that Epstein would pose as a modeling recruiter for Victoria's Secret to prey on aspiring young girls. Uh, Wexner's New Albany, Ohio estate, not far from Columbus, roughly 10,000 acres of land, 10,000 acres featuring several neo-Georgian mansions, a golf course, a country club, uh, his own luxury compound, which includes a $47 million 30-room family residence. So much wealth. Uh, According to this suit, one of Epstein's victims, Virginia Gouffre, has claimed that he directed her to have sex with Mr. Wexner, among others. Uh, Another victim, Maria Farmer, has accused Abigail Wexner of acquiescence while Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell sexually assaulted her in the New Albany compound and effectively imprisoned her there and kept her under a security guard. Crazy shit. For years, it was widely alleged that Epstein boasted about his ties to the company, in particular, uh, the Victoria's Secret brand to groom victims. How many women did Epstein assault, right? He typically had massages literally every day for years, for fucking decades, sometimes more than one. Back to Florida now. For a year, Epstein investigated prosecutors for personal uh, peccadillos to try and disqualify them from the case. Uh, Peccadillos are little minor offenses or sins. Uh, Basically, Epstein was looking for any reason to discredit anyone investigating him. Uh, Due to Epstein's PIs coming after them, the Palm Beach police stopped putting Epstein reports in their computers, started storing, storing them separately. That's how worried they were about someone hacking in and getting a hold of them. Uh, Epstein's PIs even looked through the chief and lead detectives home trash cans and through trash at the police station. It's like all this was a game for Epstein. I wonder if he was uh, even worried about being arrested at this point or if he just saw the investigation as a personal challenge for him to outsmart and conquer. Uh, October 20th, 2005, the police search Epstein's Palm Beach mansion. Now they find photos of underage girls, lots of photos, sexual photos, just not sexual enough to press child porn charges, I guess. 
because they didn't. Uh, they also found a steam room, massage room. They found numerous computers, uh, but suspected that most of the computers and hard drives were removed from the house. Nothing suspicious about that at all. Uh, found memo pads with some of the victim's contact information. Also looked through his trash. Found a school report card with a message to deliver flowers to a girl at her school. That is so fucking gross. He is 53 years old now. Sending flowers to the high school of some underage girl. Uh, he was undoubtedly either fucking or trying to fuck. And by fuck, I mean rape. Uh, Palm Beach police chief Michael Ryder said, this was not a he said, she said situation. This was a 50 something she's and one he. And the she's all basically told the same story. More than 50 girls at this point in the investigation in just this one area and just who they uncovered in this investigation. I mean, I'm convinced the full victim list, it probably reached into the thousands. Uh, The same story the girls told in Florida was uh, Epstein paid for underage girls to come to his house for massages during which he either masturbated in front of them or sexually assaulted them. Although this info didn't come out until 2008, Julie Brown of the Miami Herald found court records stating Epstein routinely brought girls to his mansion for massages, asked them to touch uh, uh, touch them while he masturbated, touched them while he masturbated, sometimes had sex with them, then offered those girls money for them to bring in more girls, and some of them would. Detectives said Epstein began operating a sexual pyramid scheme. Julie Brown identified more than uh, 80-something Victims, right? More than the 50 uh, victims identified by the police. Uh, Most of them from disadvantaged families, single parent homes, or foster care. Some of the girls were on the brink of homelessness. They felt powerless against Epstein, his money, and his legal team. What a soulless predator. Rubbing elbows with the world's elite, saying all the right things, giving millions to wonderful charities, while simultaneously raping impoverished teens he'd toss a, a few hundred bucks to. Girls he would also psychologically rape by convincing them to help him find more rape victims. Uh, let's meet a few of these victims now. Most of the following victim statements come from the docu-series Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich by Joe Berlinger and James Patterson. Victim Maria Farmer met Epstein in 1995. Uh, we just met her in that suit against Wexner in Ohio. She was 25 in 1995 with model looks. Uh, she was and is an incredibly talented artist. When Epstein's financial scandal broke, she became known for being the woman to first make a criminal complaint to law enforcement about Epstein, first to the New York City Police Department, and then to the FBI. In 1995, she had just graduated from the New York Academy of Arts, and on her graduation night, she participated in the art show. She'd already sold uh, her three paintings, but then Eileen Guggenheim, head of the Academy, informed her a couple was going to buy them instead of the original buyers because they were very important benefactors to the Academy. That couple was Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Eileen made it clear to Maria it would be better for her career to do business with Epstein than with the original buyers. So Maria sold her paintings for $6,000 instead of the original $12,000 she was going to get. Uh, Epstein promised her the purchase would be worth her while. And this makes me hate him even more. He'll donate, you know, what, tens of thousands, I'm sure, you know, millions to like uh, big headline making causes, but then shortchange some artist who just graduated from art school, right? He cost her six grand, which was fucking nothing to him, but would mean so much to her. Uh, Guggenheim will later deny her, uh, you know, saying any of this stuff to, to Maria. According to Maria, Epstein called her a couple months later, offered her a job. She would be the door manager responsible for monitoring the comings and goings at his new Manhattan mansion. It would pay well for someone who had just graduated from art school. It would also provide her time to work on her art and connections to high-end, uh, you know, supporters in the New York art scene through Epstein and Maxwell. After she took the job, Epstein was interested to know if she had any sisters. Of course he was. But he was hoping for younger sisters. And she had them. She had two. And Epstein would quickly rape one of them before she knew what a creep he was. 
Uh, Soon Epstein asked her to do an artist in residency for him in Ohio. She'd live in a large mansion behind Les Wexner's huge mansion on the new Albany property I mentioned earlier. She said she asked who Wexner was and Epstein said he was a client and friend who would do anything for him. Anything. Epstein and Maxwell soon came to visit. Ghislaine approached Maria one night, said Jeffrey wanted his feet rubbed. Maria said she didn't want to do it, right? She wasn't hired to be a masseuse. This was fucking weird. Obviously not an appropriate thing for someone to ask for, but she said she didn't want to seem ungrateful. She felt her career was kind of in their hands at this point. She approached Epstein in his bedroom. He motioned for her to come sit next to him in bed. She sat down. Then she said Maxwell sat next to her and they both started touching her breasts. She understandably freaked out. She said she, uh, you know, she had just been sexually assaulted and she got up, ran back to her house, locked herself in a room until the next morning and until they left. Uh, The next morning, Maria noticed that the photos she was using for her art projects were gone. Maria had taken photos of her younger sisters, partially nude photos for a painting series on puberty. Epstein called Maria in the morning, implied that he had a good time with her. Maria told him, uh, not so fun for her. Epstein asked her what she wanted in order to not make a fuss. Uh, Maria then reported the incident to NYPD, and they said it was outside of their jurisdiction since it happened in Ohio. So then Maria called the FBI, told them everything. She said she felt like they were going to take her case seriously, but strangely, more fuel for later conspiracies here. She never heard back from anyone. Then she found out that her 16-year-old sister, Annie Farmer, was another one of Epstein's victims. When she first started, you know, had just met Epstein, Maria told Annie that she had a new job. Her boss wanted to uh, help her out. He'd asked about Annie's sisters, remember? Uh, she said Epstein thought it would be, uh, you know, good to help Annie get into an Ivy League school like she dreamed of uh, if she went on an international trip. That would be good for her getting in. He'd finance the whole thing. He's just this great dude uh, who doesn't know, you know, these girls and just definitely doesn't want to fuck them. Just going to help them. Annie then met Epstein and Ghislaine at the giant property in New, New Mexico in July of 1995. Annie's mother thought she was going to meet with other students that Epstein was sending on the trip uh, as well because that's what Annie thought. It's what Maria thought. But when Annie got to the ranch, she realized she was alone. Ghislaine then asked her if she'd ever had any uh, professional massages before. How nice of them. Just taking a beautiful 16-year-old girl they had no real connection to on a fun trip overseas and throwing in a pre-trip massage. Uh, Ghislaine instructed Annie to undress, lay on the massage table, then Ghislaine asked for her, uh, asked her to turn over and expose her breasts, as one is often asked to do in massages. And I know that because my wife, Lindsay, gets massages quite a bit. And this always happens to her. Apparently, what she told me is she stores a lot of stress and tension in her tits. And the masseuse seems to always be some fit dude with strong hands, you know, handsome guy, uh, has to really rub and just knead the knots out of those titties. Just get all that titty tension out. Uh, He has to, Uh, you know, most of her tension is actually stored in her nipples for some reason. And that titty tension uh, apparently has to be sucked out from what I understand. And I guess she even stores a little bit more tension in her pussy and her butthole. And I I feel bad for her. It must be terrible to have just a a tight, tense butthole and vagina. And the masseuse has to work so hard at loosening all of it up, Uh, which he'll do, I guess, with whatever part of his body, you know, fits in the places the best. And that's how you work when you're a professional. No, of course, that's not how it works. Uh, Actually, it is normal to get naked for a massage, but you're supposed to be under a towel. Uh, And breasts, you know, not exactly where a lot of people uh, store a lot of muscle tension since they're mostly made out of fat. The best fat. Uh, Annie was in an open room while this is going on. Uh, She knew Epstein could see what was happening, right? Felt like he was watching because he was because he's a fucking creep. Uh, She knew the shit was inappropriate, but she's afraid to say anything. What if they took away her trip? How would she get uh, off the ranch? How would she get home if they got really mad at her? Uh, Following Maxwell's nude massage, Epstein came into her bedroom uh, on another morning 
asked to cuddle as a nice 52-year-old man often does with a 16-year-old girl he just met. Obviously a sign of friendship and respect. Uh, no, that pedo crawled into bed, started molesting her. She checked out for a while, she said, then made up an excuse to go to the restroom. Then she did her best to avoid being alone with Epstein or Maxwell the rest of her time in New Mexico, started keeping her door locked, never told her sister or anyone else at the time what happened. When Maria asked if Epstein had done anything to her after he molested her, all Annie would say was that something happened that made her uncomfortable and she didn't want to talk about it. That summer, Epstein paid for Annie to travel uh, to Thailand and Vietnam. The farmer spoke to uh, uh, an American investigative, uh, a British and now American investigative journalist uh, and author Vicki Ward for a Vanity Fair article in 2003. Vanity Fair took the info to Epstein for fact-checking. Epstein responded that the girls were infatuated with him and making things up for revenge. <laughs> infatuated with him. In my opinion, he was not an attractive guy. Why the fuck would these girls be infatuated with this fucking douchebag? Uh, he then told Vicky, uh, who would go on to have a very successful career and establish herself as a very credible and, respectable, and respected journalist, that if he didn't like her article, quote, it's going to be bad for you and your family. Uh, Vicky was pregnant at the time when she was told this. Epstein said he knew all the doctors and hospitals in the area uh, and then weirdly even threatened to put a witch doctor curse on her unbor unborn child. What the fuck? Uh, dude was insane as well as brilliant in some ways. Uh, shortly after his encounter, Vicky's editor, Graydon Carter, found a severed fucking cat head in his garden, also found a bullet on his doorstep. And while he couldn't prove it, he was 100% convinced Epstein was behind both. And he was scared. Epstein had rattled him. So he told Vicky that the farmer's story not going to be printed. Carter later denied being scared or rattled. He would issue a statement later about all this saying, Ms. Ward's reporting on this act aspect of her story came in as we were going to press, simply did not meet our legal threshold. Furthermore, her recounting of the facts around the Epstein article is completely inaccurate because she would accuse him of uh, fucking bitching out on this. Uh, if we had three people on the record willing to stand up for us in court, if Epstein had chosen to sue, we would have run it. And Ms. Ward uh, thinks this is bullshit. And she has fucking killed it uh, since this article. She's written several New York Times bestsellers, won numerous prestigious awards in journalism, and in 2021 hosted and produced a podcast uh, called Chasing Ghislaine for Audible. Uh, she would later profile Epstein for Vanity Fair. Uh, Graydon Carter had a fantastic career as well. He has had one, but I definitely think uh, he's bullshitting here. And I think Epstein really scared him, which says a lot about Epstein because Carter and Trump would go back and forth a lot on Twitter during Trump's presidency. And, you know, Carter never backed down in fear to the leader of the free world, but he did back down to Epstein. It seems let's meet another victim. Uh, Michelle Licata met almost 53 year old Epstein in December of 2005 when she was just 16. Her friend wrote a note asking if she wanted to make money massaging old guys uh, she was told that if she went to a man's house and massaged him, she could make 200 bucks cash. Michelle and her friend drove to Epstein's Palm Beach mansion. Friend told her uh, to say she was 18 if she was asked. A broke teen who didn't really know how the world worked, she said yes. And she went to his Palm Beach mansion. She was led by staff to the massage room, told to wait for Jeffrey. Epstein then entered the room, quickly complimented Michelle on her appearance, straight up asked her to take off her clothes. She felt like she had to do what was asked. And when she was nude, Epstein grabbed her thighs, started masturbating, uh, before ejaculating, he would grab her breasts, fondle her elsewhere. She later said, he just looked like a scary sicko. I still have the vision of his face. Afterwards, he told her where the $200 was, said he would like to see her again. Uh, she said, when he grabbed her, you start thinking, okay, if I try to leave uh, or be like, uh-oh, we're not going to do this, you know, uh, how would you leave? Like, is there a gun hidden somewhere that he was going to pull out? She was scared. Uh, and she did not go back like he asked. She went to the police. She quickly reported the incident to the Palm Beach police. And would eventually be the first of eight victims interviewed by journalist Julie K. Brown for the Miami Herald. 
Uh, that investigative piece, Perversion of Justice, would win a number of awards, ultimately help lead to Epstein's final arrest on sex trafficking charges in July of 2019. Let's meet another of the many girls Epstein assaulted. Shauna Rivera, even younger when she met Epstein in 20, uh, or yeah, t- 2002, younger than the other girls I just mentioned, she was 14. Her friend had convinced her to come with her to Epstein's Palm Beach home because she was afraid to go alone. Another fucking teen girl greeted them at the door, uh, took them to the massage room, A male staff member came to the room, greeted them. After he left, Shauna's friend said they had to take their clothes off. Uh, Then her friend exited the room, leaving Shauna alone. When Epstein comes in, he probably orchestrated all of this. Epstein asked how old Shauna was. She lied, said she was 15. He had no noticeable, oh my God, you're too young to be here reaction. Instead, he asked her to rub lotion on his chest and squeeze his nipples. Afterwards, Epstein told her to get the money that was laying on a table. A while later, Shauna got a call informing her that a cab was coming to take her to Epstein's house. Uh, she didn't have any money. She knew she'd get paid if she went back. So she uh, continued going for three to four years where she would be sexually assaulted over and over in a variety of ways. She was very poor, needed the money. Her childhood before meeting Epstein had been fucking brutal. Her father had been sent to prison when she was just three. Then when he got out of jail, remarried, and she lived with him uh, again, which was very unfortunate. Uh, she was physically abused by him. And not the only one to be abused. Her dad and stepmom beat her eight-year-old half-brother to death in front of her. She ran away, ended up at a homeless shelter before going to live with her also impoverished grandma. She met Epstein after all that shit. And when Epstein found out, uh, you know, that she became one of the girls who talked to the police about what he'd done to her, cars started to follow her wherever she went. Uh, Lights were flashed into her residence by Epstein's private investigators who parked outside. Harassment escalated at such a point that one night she had to call her attorney who sent a PI he'd hired to relocate her to a hotel for the night to make sure nothing bad happened. What a piece of shit you have to be if you're a private investigator willing to harass teen girls accusing your client of raping them. That's some serious fucking blood money you're chasing. What a soulless way for Epstein's, you know, PIs to make a living. Uh, Shauna's current whereabouts unknown. She seems to have basically like, you know, gone off the grid uh, after everything she went through with Epstein. Haley Robson, just 16. When she met Epstein, she was poor like the other girls, felt like some uh, well-paid massages could be her opportunity to get out of West Palm Beach. First time she went to Epstein's mansion, she entered through a side door. Massage started off normally, she said, until Epstein turned over, exposed himself, tried to touch her. She said no. Then he said, though, if she brought some friends over to the house, he'd give her $200 each for the friends. And the teen victim then became a teen pimp. She went on to work for him for over a year, recruited about two dozen girls by her own recollections. Uh, Those girls would bring other girls. And while she said no to his advances, many others would not. They would be raped by the middle-aged pedophile. We've already met the next victim. Let's get to know her story a little more now. More now. Virginia Roberts Gouffre, 16 when she got a job at Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's Palm Beach Resort, as a locker room attendant. Her goal was to become a massage therapist. Ghislaine Maxwell approached her at Mar-a-Lago in the summer of 2000, saw she was reading a book on massage, saw that she was very young and pretty, and she reportedly said, I know somebody. We can train you. We can get you educated. You know, we can help you along the way if you pass the interview. If the guy likes you, then, you know, it'll work out for you. You'll travel. You'll make good money. You'll never, ever have to have painfully tight titties again either. We'll teach you how to rub those out. I can see from here your titties are very tense. Uh, let me let me work out those titty knots for you right now. See how you like it. It's not healthy to have tight titties, right? Especially those nips. Let me suck that poison out. Come on, give mom a taste. Uh, maybe she didn't say that creepy tight titty shit, but uh, the rest happened. She probably thought something similar. Uh, She definitely wanted to do some inappropriate predatory stuff here. Uh, Ghislaine told Gouffre, 
that she would work for a man who needed a traveling masseuse. Then she met uh, Ghislaine at the Palm Beach mansion after work. Ghislaine took her to the massage room where a naked man, Epstein, of course, laying on the table waiting. He and Ghislaine then are asking her questions about her life during the massage. As she's telling them about her past trauma, she tells them based on the questions they're asking that she'd come from a troubled home uh, at the age of seven, had been molested by a close family friend. Uh, after she was molested, Epstein turns over with his fucking dick out, asks Virginia and uh, Maxwell to take off their clothes. That's some evil shit. It's, it's like he preferred girls who had already been victimized, like it turned him on. Maybe he understood their psychology better, right? Knew it was easier to re-victimize them or something. Uh, Virginia had been a runaway in and out of foster homes. She had been sexually abused by several men before running into, you know, Maxwell and Epstein. So she takes off her clothes. She's scared. Glenn uh, gets naked as well. That fucking creep. She's 38 in 2000. Maxwell stands behind her, starts fondling her. Epstein and Maxwell pressure her into a three-way, coercing her into engaging in, quote, various sexual acts. Afterwards, they tell her that her interview went great. She should come back the next day. And she does because, uh, you know, at least these fucking predators uh, might give her money, right? She was already used to being abused, sadly. She didn't really understand proper boundaries at that point in her life. She wanted off the streets. She would later say the training starts imme- started immediately. It was everything down to how to be quiet, be subservient, give Jeffrey what he wants. A lot of this training came from Ghislaine herself. And being a woman, it kind of surprises you that a woman could actually let stuff like that happen. But not only let it happen, but to groom you into doing it. Virginia said she escalated up the ladder because she did anything Epstein asked, never asked too many questions. They promised her she could travel the world, meet important people. They'd pay for her education. Uh, Virginia said she was lent out to Epstein's friends, politicians, and other powerful people. Epstein often said that people owed him favors, implying he could get away with anything. Virginia reported that she was forced to have sex with Prince Andrew multiple times, beginning when she was 17 in 2001. Right, the guy she just won that settlement against I mentioned earlier. She said that she, Epstein, and Maxwell went out to a club in London with Prince Andrew, then returned to a townhouse. Virginia asked Epstein to take a photo of her and Prince Andrew together. Uh, Maxwell told Virginia she'd have to uh, do what she did for Jeffrey for Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew would claim he had no memory of having this picture taken with Virginia Gouffre in that now infamous photo. Uh, Prince Andrew also said in a November 2019 interview that he had known Epstein since 1999. And he was photographed with Epstein in December of 2010, by which time he was a convicted sex offender. He said he went to New York to break off the friendship and that he then regretted staying at Epstein's house. What? Fuck what? Who goes to someone's house, a convicted sex offender's house to break off a friendship, especially when you're a high profile person like Prince Andrew? Send a text, motherfucker. Then he stayed the night. Get the fuck out of here. He was not heading over there to break off a friendship. He was going over there to engage in more illicit fuckery. Oh my God. Uh, Virginia Gouffre also alleged that she was forced to have sex with New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson and uh, George J. Mitchell, former Senate Majority Leader, uh, said she was also forced to have sex with Alan Dershowitz, a claim he has vehemently denied. They have both sued each other for defamation. Uh, Dershowitz, highly decorated lawyer who taught classes for years at Harvard from 1964 to 2013. Uh, the 83-year-old, a regular media contributor, political commentator, legal analyst, and maybe a pedophile. Maybe. I have no proof. And I'll say no more because that motherfucker loves to sue people. Uh, he also helped uh, defend infamous Me Too movement predator Harvey Weinstein. And he helped O.J. Simpson. He seems to really enjoy trying to get obvious pieces of shit the most lenient sentences possible. So maybe he doesn't have the best moral compass. But he is not a convicted pedophile. I mean, I think he probably did it. But I have no proof. I'm speculating. I just really don't like him. 
but that does not mean he is a pedophile. I cannot stress that enough. Does he, to me, look like a pedophile? Yes. Oh my God, yes. If I had to bet my life on whether or not he was a pedophile, would I say he was? Of course I would. But I have no legal proof. I can't stress that enough. Yes, I want him to go suck a bag of dicks until he chokes and dies. But that's a personal opinion based on no proven legal evidence. And I would never do anything like that to him. I would never try to harm him in real life. I hope I have emphasized all of that enough. It's just my opinion, right? For that litigation-loving fuckface weasel, in my opinion, based on no proof of illegal activities to come after me. Anyway, 2002, Epstein and Maxwell reportedly told Virginia they wanted her to be their surrogate. She said she reminded them that she uh, that they had promised to pay for her education. So then Jeffrey gave her a trip to Thailand, uh, get her certified, massage therapy. Virginia called Epstein from Thailand, told him she was uh, getting married, not coming back, hung up the phone. Uh, she later moved to Australia with her husband and then they had three kids. Uh, and it seems like, although I don't think she's married anymore because she's referred to as Ms., not Mrs. anymore, uh, that she's doing great. She she went on to found SOAR, Speak Out, Act and Reclaim, uh, S-O-A-R, a nonprofit focused on empowering survivors to reclaim their stories and help bring an end to sex trafficking. So hail Nimrod, Virginia. Good on you. And hail, Luc- hail Lucifina. Uh, for you as well, for helping to take the stigma away from sexual abuse, uh, you know, from victims. Can't control that shit. Not your fault. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing inherently shameful in sexual abuse or in any other sexual act. Shame, 100% subjective. You can reclaim shame. You can throw it the fuck away. Uh, Shame on those who shame sexual abuse victims. Let's meet a few more victims uh, just briefly, just to speak a bit more to the totality of all this. Victim Courtney Wilde, molested by Epstein when she was only 14 years old. Back in 2002, right? Uh, she was in middle school, a fucking eighth grader. She claimed to have uh, went on to recruit 70 to 80 girls for him. She said, he told me he wanted them as young as I could find them. Jesus Christ. Uh, he wanted as many girls as I could get him. Monster was truly insatiable. Uh, not all of Epstein's victims were underage. Uh, we've already mentioned, you know, at least one who wasn't. Uh, Alicia Arden also met Epstein in 1997 when she was in her mid-20s. She met Epstein at Shutters on the Beach, a hotel in Santa Monica. California, thinking she was coming to audition to become a Victoria's Secret model. He looked through her pictures, asked to see her in her underwear. When she undressed, he touched her inappropriately. Alicia feared he was going to rape her, probably because that's exactly what he, what he wanted to do. Uh, she fle- fled. Afterward, she drove to the police department to make a report. But Epstein did not get in any trouble. She never heard back from investigators. Uh, Sarah Ransom met Epstein in 2006. She was 22. Decided to move to New York. Went out to a club, met a girl who said she knew an amazing guy who was a philanthropist. Uh, this girl said he could make dreams come true. She was told this man, uh, you know, later uh, wanted to meet her. Then Sarah met Epstein at a movie theater. And at first, uh, she said he seemed kind and caring. She got a call from a friend a few days later. Jeffrey thought she was cool. He wanted to pay for her education at uh, FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology. She was invited to get on his plane, travel to his private island. So she did. Uh, on that flight, she said shit got real fucked up. She said during the flight, Epstein started having sex with a girl she assumed was underage in front of her and numerous other passengers, most of whom also appeared to be teen girls. She said uh, everyone just pretended to ignore it. How surreal. At the private airport they landed at, Sarah noticed that all the staff bent over backwards to welcome him, uh, even when he had an entourage of very young girls with him. She said everyone just acted like, uh, you know, what was happening right before their eyes just wasn't even happening. And then, uh, you know, on Little St. James, she said she ended up in a massage room uh, with Epstein. He asked her to get on the massage table and then violently raped her. She said this was the first of several times she was raped that trip. She said she tried to escape the island after being raped three times in one day. Was that fucking guy living on Viagra? 
I mean, in addition to being such a vile piece of shit, his sex drive was off the charts. I mean, he attacked her three times in one day. I doubt he uh, didn't attack someone else. You know, what was happening to the other girls that he'd flown in? I doubt they were being left alone. He's also working while all this is going on. It's like for a lot of days of his life, his daily routine was to make some investment phone calls, uh, hurry up and rape someone, maybe get a massage out of the deal, work some more, get a massage, rape some more, uh, maybe go to a gala with people like Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, et cetera, shake some hands, take some pics, make some donations, uh, drum up some more investment business, head back, sneak in another massage, a couple more rapes before bed. How is this his real fucking life? Uh, Sarah said that she went to a remote area of the island, right? She was planning her escape, was hiding, and then Epstein found her just a few minutes later. She became convinced that she was being recorded everywhere on the island, that there was surveillance equipment everywhere. Uh, after all that, Epstein put her up in a New York apartment he had separate of his giant Manhattan home, right? After he just like does these things and acts like he has done nothing wrong. Uh, he gives her money for food, arranges for all her transportation. Uh, Sarah was in some kind of super fucked up Stockholm syndrome relationship of sorts with Epstein now for eight and a half months before leaving, moving far, far away and hiding from him. Uh, that surveillance equipment note of hers I find fascinating. Like, was he recording friends of his? As I mentioned earlier, also getting massages maybe. Also uh, raping underage girls uh, that turned into sex, or, you know, like, uh, I'm sorry, that ha- all that happened on Pedophile Island. Speculating again here, but I bet he was. And maybe again, you know, he picked up that idea from Ghislaine's dad. Uh, would he invite powerful people for private parties? Sometimes let them know that if they uh, wouldn't do what he wanted, uh, or threaten to testify in him that he had evidence of them having sex with minors? Is that why he'll get off so lightly the first time he gets invicted of sex crimes in Florida? Is that the kind of shit people worried about him making public the second time he was arrested before he died? Is that why he may have been killed? I don't know. So much stuff to think about with all this. So, so many things I, I wonder about. Uh, one more victim, someone we already met uh, briefly before returning to the timeline. Uh, Shantae Davies met Epstein when she was 21. In 2001, uh, she worked for him as a sock puppet designer, uh, that I mentioned that Epstein really loved sock puppets, because why not? Uh, he really loved three things in life, apparently making lots of money, molesting teen masseuses, and well-constructed, dramatic three-act sock puppet performances. Uh, no, uh, Shantae, of course, was a masseuse. She was actually a professional masseuse when she met him. She received a tour of his private island, which he called Little St. Jeff's. <laughs> oh, oh, good one. Jeff, so witty. Not Little St. James, Little St. Jeff's. Do you get it? Because his name is Jeffrey, and Jeff sounds kind of close to James, and it was his island. Oh, oh man, I knew he was good with money, but I didn't realize he was also so funny. Uh, after dinner on her first night, uh, Epstein's assistant, Sarah Kellen, knocked on her door, told her Jeffrey was ready for his massage. Massage started off normal until Epstein flipped out, threw her on the bed, held her wrist together, and raped her. And then afterwards, uh, left to go for a shower, like it was no big deal. And she ran from the room. Uh, then the next year, she was invited to go on that trip to Africa where she would meet Bill Clinton, Kevin Spacey, Chris Tucker, asked to be his personal assistant, and she did go. The guy was so good at being so manipulative, so good at abusing people, then making them think that maybe they had brought it on themselves somehow or something. He was a fucking evil wizard. She said she did not experience any sexual abuse in Africa. But then after the trip, she said Ghislaine Maxwell encouraged her to bring her 17-year-old sister out to lunch with Jeff. And sadly, she would do that. She later said it never occurred to her that Epstein was abusing other girls. She thought maybe it was just something that he did with her, something that maybe she brought out in him for whatever reason. At the lunch, Epstein and Ghislaine said they wanted to uh, send her sister to Spain. Shantae didn't learn until 2005 that Epstein sexually abused her sister multiple times. Uh, her sister also told her about an altercation with Harvey Weinstein, a man Epstein introduced her to. Yeah, I'm sure those two sick fucks uh, got along great. 
Weinstein's assistants later sent apology notes and flowers to her sister after he reportedly raped her. Shante then finally told Epstein that she was done working for him. He said she would get nowhere in life without his help and hung up. She says she still struggles to come up to come to terms with why she didn't attempt to break free earlier to this day. She said that Maxwell and Epstein destroyed my life in every way, my relationships, my family life, and my health. She seems to hate Maxwell as much as Epstein, describing her as a monster in every sense of the word. And I don't blame her. Okay, back to the timeline now. After one little creepy note, uh, I don't want to forget pertaining to other victims. Uh, In a 2020 lawsuit, Denise N. George, the attorney general of the Virgin Islands, said that Epstein brought girls to his private island and used some sort of a surveillance database to track their movements. He said that one 15-year-old girl actually tried to swim away, but Epstein and some paid goons of his captured her and took her passport. Uh, I read reports about other victims trying to swim away. No one I read about seemed to have made it. Everyone was captured and brought back. It all feels like some kind of fucked up movie more than real life, which again has made this prime fodder for conspiracies. I mean, the truth we know for sure feels like uh, some kind of wackadoodle conspiracy. It's so over the top. Back in Florida now, May of 2006, Epstein charged with multiple counts of unlawful acts with a minor. He pleads not guilty, claiming all his encounters were consensual and that he believed the girls were at least 18. Right. Uh, Barry Kirshner, state attorney, prosecutor in the case, assures the Palm Beach police chief this is going to be an easy case. Right? Open and shut. They're going to put Epstein away for life. But then Epstein hires a dream team of eight defense attorneys, including Kenneth Starr, Roy Black, Jay Leifkowitz, Gerald Lefcourt, and Alan Dershowitz, who I think, again, is a fucking lowlife, who I would only piss on if he wasn't on fire, because I wouldn't want to put the flames out. But that's just me. I'm sure a lot of people think he's a great guy. I'm sure a lot of rapists and pedophiles he has probably helped keep out of prison think he's awesome, but not me. Just my opinion based on no record of him doing anything illegal, to be clear. June of 2006, grand jury hears from one of Epstein's accusers and indicts him on one count of solicitation of prostitution. Following month, July 2006, FBI now opens a federal investigation in Florida, New York, other locations in the U.S. based on accusations from more victims. Epstein starts fighting back. Reporters for WPTV, West Palm Beach's local NBC affiliate, start getting weekly death threats regarding continuing to report on the Epstein case. Brad Edwards, an attorney for the victims, is stalked and threatened. Victims start reporting shit like having fake law enforcement officers contact them and intimidate them. The FBI approaches sisters Maria and Annie Farmer uh, about their 1996 report. When Ghislaine Maxwell finds out that Maria is talking to the feds, she threatens to destroy her career and threatens her life. The harassment only stops once she makes it to North Carolina, changes her name, and hides. 2007, the FBI suddenly becomes unwilling to talk about the case with the West Palm Police Department after previously keeping them updated constantly. Police Chief Michael Ryder gets the feeling that something's going on behind the scenes, once again, fueling more conspiracy shit here. Did Epstein have dirt on some FBI higher-ups? Were any politicians he had dirt on pressuring the FBI to make all this go away? On June 30th, 2008, Epstein pleads guilty to one count. Just one fucking count of solicitation of prostitution and one count of solicitation of prostitution of a minor under the age of 18. What the fuck? That's cool, Uh, right? Label some teen girl as a prostitute, make a rape victim look like a criminal, and then just ignore all the other victims. Local investigators think he has sexually abused at least over 50 victims in Florida alone at this point. They have loads of evidence of multiple sex crimes against underage girls, and he pleads to just just this bullshit, right? Uh, Did he have dirt on the fucking judge too, the prosecution? Epstein got the deal of the century, also known as a sweetheart deal from Florida prosecutors. Epstein managed to completely avoid federal charges, right? He he pled guilty, 
only to the two state charges for an 18-month sentence plus community service, work release, and registering as a sex offender. Additionally, the FBI agreed to end their investigation into both him and his co-conspirators and grant them immunity from further prosecution in the Southern District excuse me, of Florida. What's going on? Seems a bit shady. Oh, and most of that was also hidden from the public and hidden from the victims. Uh, if Epstein wasn't working for the feds, he sure as fuck was either strongly connected to them somehow or could bring people down they didn't want him to bring down. Something for sure that is shady as fuck went on here. Alexander Acosta, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida at this time, claimed he felt he had no choice but to give Epstein the deal because he was told that Epstein worked for the government. He was told to give that deal by people above him, right? Uh, God, what is going on, right? The more you look into this, the harder it becomes to uh, laugh off the tinfoil hat crowd. Who got to Acosta? Acosta would take a lot of heat for this. He would later resign as Trump's secretary of labor over this, but was it really his fault or did someone above him Maybe someone in the FBI. Did they order him to go real soft on Epstein? Uh, On the day the deal was signed, Epstein's attorney sent an email to the federal prosecutor saying, please do whatever you can to keep this from becoming public. And then they did. Month later, attorney Jay Leifkowitz sends a letter to Alex Acosta saying, neither federal agents nor anyone from your office should contact the victims to inform them of the resolution of this case. Not only would that violate the confidentiality of the agreement, but Mr. Epstein will have no control over what is being communicated to the identified individuals at this most critical stage. We believe it is essential that we participate in crafting mutually acceptable communication to the victims. What the fuck is happening here? Why are Jeffrey's rights being protected more than the rights of his victims? Epstein will then be released on probation after serving just 13 months. And as you'll see, he didn't really serve the 13 months. This gets more absurd. After his quote-unquote release from the cushiest sentence ever, he registers as a level three sex offender in New York, a lifelong designation that meant he was at a high risk for reoffending. So that's cool. High risk for reoffending, but let's cut him loose in 13 months. Good job, criminal justice system. Uh, way to consistently take it easy on sexual predators. Uh, good thing Epstein wasn't using drugs when he was raping women and girls. Then he would have really gotten in trouble. Molest or rape 80 or so women, you'll get an 18-month plea deal. Do 13 months, sell coke or heroin, uh, you know, uh, to, to the same amount of women and girls. And you go to prison for what? I don't know. Fucking 10 years, 20 life. Now uh, this fucked up deal was kept secret from Epstein's victims. Like I said, they didn't know about it until after he pled guilty in court. And that is a violation of the crime victims rights act of 2004, which states that victims must be informed about developments in their cases. Government lawyers promised victims. They were investigating the case after the plea deal had already been made illegal and blatantly unethical. In July of 2008, Epstein's victims will file an emergency petition under the Crime Victims' Rights Act because they were never informed. They were represented by Bradley Edwards. Uh, Again, something shady is going on here, right? Uh, A few months later, October 2008, Epstein officially begins his work release program. Oh my God. Traditionally, the Palm Beach Sheriff's Department does not allow work release for sex offenders during their sentences. But you know, it's it's Epstein. It's Johnny above the law. You know, Johnny fucking tight muscles. Uh, he did what he wanted, almost always, right up until he got caught at the, uh, at the very end and then got murdered to keep quiet. I mean, killed himself because he was sad. As part of his work release, Epstein uh, would be able to go to his office 12 hours a day, six days a week. He paid a deputy $42 an hour to monitor him outside the prison. Uh, according to the Washington Post, this was not the only luxury he was afforded. His cell door was allegedly left unlocked. He often spent more than the 12 hours at a time away from his cell during those 13 months. Uh, also allowed to spend four hours a day <laughs> unsupervised in Palm Beach. What is happening? 
And he reportedly, this is not 100% certain, but I do believe it. He reportedly kept getting massages from underage girls who he molested and raped while he was technically in fucking being incarcerated for molesting and raping teenage girls who he paid to massage him. No wonder there are conspiracies with this guy. Oh. <sighs> Uh, July of 2009, Epstein is released from fake jail after kind of, but not really serving 13 months. Two years later, November of 2011, that's when he registers as a level three sex offender in New York. Why was he allowed to wait that fucking long? None of this makes sense. Uh, then he just goes about his life exactly as he had before. Nothing changes other than some people, probably not many, uh, now seem to distance themselves from him, at least publicly, but he's still incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful, influential, still rubbing shoulders with the elite in, uh, you know, New York's, uh, upper social scene. Uh, He would tell the New York Post, I'm not a sexual predator. I'm an offender. It's the difference between a murderer and a person who steals a bagel. That's what he, that's what they actually printed that he said. Spin and rationalization of the year. Uh, For the next eight years, he'll continue to fly around the world, uh, vacation with princes and politicians and business leaders, take many of them to his private fuck island. Uh, He, you know, and Ghislaine Maxwell will continue to molest and rape girl after girl. He'll buy great St. James and even bigger pedophile island start construction plans for a bigger rape compound. And then in February, 2019, a judge rules that Alexander Acosta violated the Crime Victims' Rights Act by failing to inform Epstein's victims about the plea deal. Why did it take so many years? Then five months later, July 6, 2019, convicted sex offender, but not sexual predator, let's not get crazy, uh, Epstein is arrested at the uh, Teterboro Airport, New Jersey, on suspicion of sex trafficking minors. I wonder why they finally went after him now. Was he no longer a valuable government asset at this point? Did he serve his purpose? And now they're going to bury him? July 8, 2019, Epstein is indicted on these uh, on new charges. Prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York alleged that from 2002 to 2005, Epstein sexually exploited and abused dozens of minor girls at his homes in Manhattan, uh, Palm Beach, and other locations. And that Epstein used cash payments to recruit a vast network of underage victims as young as 14. Same shit as before, uh, you know, the crimes that should have put him in prison for life back in 2008. Prosecutors state that Epstein knew these girls were underage because they expressly told him their age. Yes, that's how you know someone's underage. If you're like, how old are you? And they're like, I am underage. Prosecutors said Epstein worked and conspired with others, including uh, employees and associates who facilitated his conduct by, among other things, contacting victims and scheduling their sexual encounters with Epstein. So gross. How many people were involved in making sure this predator got to grope and fuck the teens he wanted to exploit? How many knew exactly what was going on, let it keep happening, so it didn't fuck with their paychecks? Prosecutors hoped that uh, this time they could finally indict some of Epstein's co-conspirators if he would be willing to give up info on them. Epstein's attorneys tried to argue that the new indictment was double jeopardy. Prosecutors fired back that this indictment was valid because in addition to the initial Florida victims, who he didn't really get in trouble for harming, they had loads of new victims and new crimes. Authorities now raided Epstein's Manhattan home, sees God knows how many nude pictures of underage girls, uh, an expired Austrian passport with Epstein's photo in a different name, and a stash full of cash and diamonds locked in a safe. Prosecutors at Epstein's bail hearing say that Epstein tried to buy off potential witnesses with intimidation and aggressive tactics. As late as 2018, he wired $100,000 to a person uh, named back in 2008 as a possible co-conspirator, wired a quarter of a million to another co-conspirator, uh, Epstein was denied bail July 18th, 2018, then sent to await trial at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York City, a federal prison uh, that has how high profile housed high profile offenders like previous suck subject and prison escape wizard El Chapo. 
And uh, on July 12th, 2019, Alexander Acosta resigns from his position as Secretary of Labor. Uh, President Trump tweeted, Alex Acosta informed me this morning that he felt the constant drumbeat of press about a prosecution which took place under his watch more than 12 years ago was bad for the administration, which he so strongly believes in, and he graciously tendered his resignation. July 23rd, 2019, a U.S. appellate court ordered the release of previously sealed court documents filed in a defamation suit related to Epstein's sex trafficking ring. These documents were related to a 2015 defamation lawsuit of Virginia Gouffre against Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, that lawsuit had been settled in 2017. Love that Virginia went after all of them. Gouffre accused Epstein of abusing her from 1999 to 2002 with Maxwell's assistance and participation in both New York City and Palm Beach. Maxwell, of course, denied those allegations. Epstein had already settled with Gouffre in a separate civil suit in 2009. In that lawsuit, she alleged she was sexually abused by Epstein and his adult male peers, including royalty, politicians, uh, academicians. It's like academics, but it's, I've never seen that actually before. Academicish, academians, academicians, I don't know, academics, businessmen and other professional and personal acquaintances. Additionally, Bradley Edwards' 2018 defamation lawsuit against Epstein stemming from Epstein waging a smear campaign against the attorney for the Florida victims back in 2008. I didn't even talk about so much shit. Now released to the public. This lawsuit was settled uh, one day into the trial. Epstein apologized, agreed to confidential terms. Also on July 23rd, Epstein found in his cell with neck injuries. His cellmate, Nicholas Tartaglioni, former police officer charged in a quadruple homicide. Began yelling and guards rushed over. He noticed that Epstein had a sheet around his neck. Epstein said he was attacked. Taglioni denied this. Uh, why would Nicholas yell for help if he had just attacked him? Also, uh, why would he want to save this fuck's life? Uh, that Nicholas dude, holy shit, is he one scary looking motherfucker. Uh, his trial has just been uh, finally scheduled for March 2023. Big ass bodybuilder dude, at least in some pics. Looks like a mafia hitman in a movie. The scariest mafia hitman you've ever seen. If he would have wanted to kill Epstein, uh, he could have easily done it and quickly. Epstein was now placed on suicide watch and due to, uh, you know, how high fucking profile this case is, you would think that a suicide watch would be taken seriously, but it was not. Suicide watch inmates have to wear a smock. They can never be in full darkness. They have no bedding materials that can be used for a suicide. That's what's supposed to happen. Uh, there were already worries about Epstein in this capacity, obviously. You know, we'd already been in the uh, special housing unit since July 10th due to fears he was, uh, you know, going to commit suicide uh, and other safety concerns, probably concerns that maybe somebody wanted to kill this motherfucker. July 26, 2019, federal judge grants prosecutors motions to place a protective order on some highly sensitive material uh, they're going to give to the defense. What material? We still don't know. It would never be released to the public. Too bad the prosecution couldn't have accidentally lost some of it and then maybe it could have been uploaded to the internet. Maybe that material evidence of who Epstein was about to rat on. July 29, 2019, Epstein officially removed from suicide watch, not protocol. No one understands why this, this happened. Next day, July 30th, Epstein transferred back to prison, uh, required to have a cellmate at all times, assigned to the cell closest to the correctional officer's desk, about 15 feet from a cell, but he's not given a cellmate. Epstein made his last court appearance July 31st, 2019. Next court date set for October 8th. Uh, August 6th, Epstein meets his lawyer, Dave Schoen. Epstein seemed excited about working on his case, but then after this meeting, he reportedly become, became depressed and haggard. Two days later, August 8, 2019, Epstein signs a new will and commits his estate to the trust in the, uh, in the Virgin Islands to make it more difficult for his victims to ever get restitution because he's a piece of shit. 
Uh, his brother was set to inherit Epstein's entire $577 million estate. Luckily, that won't happen. It will go to a trust for victim restitution. Uh, actually, as of December 2020, that fund had already received more than 100 claims and paid out tens of millions of dollars to victims. So that's good. It continues to pay out. August 9th, Epstein met with his lawyer, uh, actually multiple lawyers this time, for most of the day to discuss his case. Some will speculate that this talk really didn't go very well and that because Epstein knew there was no way he was going to weasel out of spending the rest of his life in prison, he began making plans to off himself. Others speculate he talked with his lawyers for so long about what big names he was going to throw under the bus to save his ass. And then when word got back to one or more of these names, it was decided he needed to die immediately. Whatever the case, the following morning, August 10th, 2019, 66-year-old Epstein found dead in his cell, 6.33 a.m. He's found with a bedsheet tied around his neck, tied to the top bunk bed in his cell. Epstein had leaned forward with enough force not only to hang himself, but also to break several of his neck bones, including the hyoid, hyoid bone, a U-shaped bone in the neck which supports the tongue. I may not have one of those. That's why, that's why my tongue doesn't work right. Uh, there will also be a lot of speculation about all this. With some saying he uh, could not have broken those bones alone, that there was no way he hanged himself. Someone had to have been led into his cell and they strangled him. Uh, prison staff cut the sheet, tried to administer CPR. He was pronounced dead an hour later. August 16th, 2019, New York City medical examiner Barbara Sampson concluded that Epstein did commit suicide by hanging. The autopsy found that several neck bones had been broken. Uh, as I said, one of those bones, the hyoid bone, most commonly associated not with suicide, but with homicidal strangulation. But that didn't uh, wasn't a, uh, a reason for her not to uh, rule it as suicide. The FBI and Inspector General opened an investigation into Epstein's death, but ultimately agreed with the medical examiner. And the conspiracy crowd will collectively shake their heads at this, throw up their hands and say, of course they did. He was working for the FBI. They either had a hand in his death or at least sanctioned it. Epstein's lawyers, Martin Weinberg, Reed Weingarten, Michael Miller, vowed to conduct their own investigations. Epstein's brother, Mark, hires a pathologist, Michael Baden former NYC medical examiner in the late 70s, who found evidence suggesting murder. But Baden was fired for making too many errors during his time as medical examiner. So can his examination be trusted? Baden noted that the hyoid bone and thyroid cartilage were broken, which according to him, uh, way more common in homicidal strangulations. Baden said on Fox and Friends that Epstein's injuries are extremely unusual in suicidal hangings and could occur much more commonly in homicidal strangulation. Then Jonathan Arden, president of the National Association of Medical Examiners, told the Washington Post, if hypothetically the hyoid bone is broken, that would generally raise questions about strangulation. But it is not definitive and does not exclude suicidal hanging. The Washington Post also wrote that as people age, the hyoid bone does become more brittle and easier to break. Uh, New York City medical examiner Barbara Sampson responded to Baden's claim saying our investigation concluded that the cause of Mr. Epstein's death was hanging and the manner of death was suicide. We stand by that determination. We continue to share information around the medical investigation with Mr. Epstein's family, their representatives, and their pathology consultant. The original medical investigation was thorough and complete. There's no reason for a second medical investigation by our office. Very curiously to me, neither Barbara Sampson, nor Jonathan Arden, nor Michael Baden uh, publicly disclose ever the very real possibility that my fucking dad killed Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know where he was on August 9th or 10th, 2019. No one does. Yeah, he's 60, uh, 65 at this time, but a strong 65 with unusually strong hands. 
built up by decades of logging and construction work. Maybe more fire in his belly than most. Dad watch. If only he'd have been active in New York at this time, we might be able to solve this mystery. And that nonsense will take us out of this time suck timeline. Good job, soldier. You've made it back. Barely. And the end of the timeline uh, will take us to the end of part one of this two-part episode, really. Uh, I guess two episodes, but two-part series. Uh, No big recap this week. We'll save that for next week. For now, I'll just say, uh, what a piece of shit, right? This guy was, obviously. Uh, Even if he wasn't connected to any power players when it came to them also sexually abusing teen girls, but he probably was connected to many, uh, just such a truly disgusting human being, right? He came from so little to achieve so much, so much. He was worth hundreds of millions of dollars by the end of his life. And he could have done so much good with that money. And he did do some good. He donated some to very cool research. He donated to uh, other great causes like helping stop, uh, you know, the AIDS crisis in Africa. But he was simultaneously molesting and raping so many young women and girls, dragging them and others into a sick game of recruiting more young women and girls into his predatory bullshit. He used his power to prey on the powerless. Not only raped girls from broken homes or from no homes at all, also sent his goons to terrify them into not testifying against him once they went to the police. He was a disgusting, disgusting tyrant. And so many people, even if they didn't join in and harm women and girls along with him, at the very least, they looked the other way. The whole thing, conspiracy or not, it's just so dark and sad. Uh, I look forward to deep diving the conspiracies that surround this and his death next week. Uh, now that we have a pretty good understanding of who this guy was and who he rolled with. For now, let's get to today's top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one, Jeffrey Epstein, born into a working class family in Brooklyn, New York. As an adult, he became a financial manager for billionaires, maybe masterminded a Ponzi scheme, maybe blackmailed people like Lex Wexner. And he given him a lot of money, Maybe worked as some kind of government operative and all that almost made him a billionaire. Probably. No one knows exactly how Epstein made all of his money. Most uh, suspect he made it through a combination of charging fees, stealing, bribery, money laundering, and I think maybe some blackmail. Aided by surveillance equipment, recordings probably helped as well. Number two, Epstein owns some seriously lavish fucking properties. The largest private residence in Manhattan a 7,500-acre ranch in New Mexico, a mansion in Palm Beach's most desirable neighborhood, and two private islands in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And he sexually abused minors uh, at all those properties and more. In fact, the little St. James Island became known as Pedophile Island. Number three, Epstein and his co-conspirator created what was uh, has been called a sexual pyramid scheme. Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, his partner in pedophilia, recruited vulnerable girls, offered them money or other financial opportunities in exchange for massages that were covers for Epstein and sometimes Maxwell as well to assault or rape these girls. When he was done attacking one girl, he would typically ask them to bring him more girls for money, uh, generally having nothing they often did, and then those girls would bring even more girls. There are about 80 confirmed Epstein victims. There are probably hundreds if not thousands more we don't know about. He was very active for a very long time. Number four, Epstein was found dead in his jail cell the morning of August 10th, 2019. He was found with the bedsheet tied around his neck, tied to the top bunk bed in his cell. Epstein had either leaned forward with enough force, not only to hang himself, but also to break several of his neck bones, including the hyoid bone, bone, a U-shaped bone in the neck, which supports the tongue, most commonly associated now with suicide, but with homicidal strangulation, or someone else choked the fuck out of him and then left him to hang in his poorly 
poorly monitored cell in what kind of looked like a suicide. Number five, new info. One of Epstein's numerous strange scientific interests was cryonics, low temperature freezing and storage of human remains with the speculative hope that resurrection may be possible in the future. Cryonics is uh, fringe science at best, uh, more sci-fi than science, with the overwhelming majority of scientists believing that this type of resurrection is most likely impossible. Nevertheless, per a 2019 Vanity Fair article on Epstein, one adherent of transhumanism said that he and Mr. Epstein discussed the financier's interest in cryonics, an unproven science in which people's bodies are frozen to be brought back to life in the future. Mr. Epstein told this person that he wanted his head and penis to be frozen. Not just his head, but his dick too. Of course he did. His two favorite possessions, which I do get actually. Uh, my brain is my most important possession and my dick is probably my second. I am quite fond of it. We just, uh, we've had so many good times together, but I can also have fun with a new dick. I mean, if I'm going to be brought back in the future, just keep my brain in working order because that's where the real me lives, right? My memories, uh, personality, predilections. I'm cool getting a new body, a young body with no back problems, solid pecs and biceps, uh, thick ass and thighs, high metabolism, uh, six pack. Fuck yeah, bro. Nice. Late twenties model with a nice new dick. that looks just like my old dick, but less mileage and two solid balls instead of one good one and one damaged one. Damn you, slippery monkey bars. And I'll stop now. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Jeffrey Epstein's suicide conspiracies, uh, part one of two has been sucked. Hope you're interested enough to stick around for another week at the start back. Uh, thank you to the Bad Magic Productions team for their help in making time suck every week. Thanks to Queen of Bad Magic, Lindsay Cummins. Uh, thanks to the Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley for production. Thanks to Bitelixer for upkeep on the Time Suck app. Logan Art Warlock Keith creating the merch at badmagicmerch.com and for running socials with Liz the Enchantress, the Enchantress Hernandez. Uh, thanks again to Livia Lee for kicking off the research on this one. Great job. And thanks to the All Seen Eyes moderating the Cult of the Curious private Facebook page. Thanks again to Beefsteak and his mod squad running Discord. More and more people talking lately about how much uh, they love the Discord community. Uh, good on all you Discord meat sacks. Uh, you can easily link to Time Sucks community via the Time Suck app. Also, we have a Time Suck subreddit. I didn't even know about. Almost 7,000 members. It was just brought to my attention. We don't moderate it. Honestly, I don't know a lot about how that even works on Reddit. But I love that some of you have taken it upon yourselves to create that and to keep it going and uh, checking it out. Looks like a lot of people are having fun in there. So if you're a Reddit user, please go check that out. Uh, next week, we, of course, dig into the conspiracies that surround Epstein uh, within hours of the announcement of Epstein's death, right? The hashtags Epstein murder, Clinton body count, Trump body count, trending hard on social media. Conspiracies that were already being discussed online before he died, pick up steam. Did someone uh, supposedly linked along with Epstein to some kind of Illuminati power players pedophile ring have him killed? before he could share that they were also abusing young girls. Uh, did President Trump have him killed? Did former President Bill Clinton have him killed? Who else, you know, may have had the wealth and power necessary to snuff him out inside a prison cell? Uh, why did they want him dead? What did they do? How deep does it all go? This is the ter territory we'll be exploring next week. We'll get into all kinds of uh, comedic wackadoodle shit and also some stuff that might make you think, hmm, uh, that doesn't actually sound that crazy. Uh, I think, you know, someone probably did have him killed. Uh, I still have to finish my research, so I don't even know what weird corners of the web for sure we'll find ourselves in, but I am sure we'll find ourselves in some fucking weird corners. Uh, for right now, let's head on over to this week's Time Sucker Updates. Updates. 
get your time sucker updates. Uh, I've said in the past that I love thoughtful dissent and disagreement, and I do. So let's start. Let's, let's start with some today. Uh, disappointed meat sack Liz. I usually like to leave last names with critiques uh, out, so they don't get unwanted backlash. So doing that here, and Liz writes, "I'm so mad at your apology to Elise about religion. The consequences of religion on our global community are blatant, and we ignore them at our peril." Encouraging people to believe that they can commit any sin with the notable and telling exception of suicide for Abrahamic religions and just ask an invisible skyman for forgiveness allows religious devotees to be fully unaccountable for their actions. I'm weak. Forgive me so I can do it again. I really like a lot of the content in your shows, but I'm a bit put off by what seems to be your unwillingness to hold an evidence-based opinion on important matters. Live and let live is only a practical strategy if everyone is expected to behave similarly. I will never be willing to give Elisa's questionably considered lifestyle a pass so her priest can pocket tithings and rape children. When good people pretend they can live a moral life styled after an astonishingly, demonstrably immoral paradigm, they don't deserve to have their point of view aired. I'm so disappointed that you failed to recognize this. Uh, Liz, coming in hot! Uh, All right. I, too, have focused and often in the past on exactly what you're focusing in on here. Uh, The negative aspects of faith. But uh, I think you seem to have forgotten that faith and faith-based actions, not always negative, not at all. Uh, We can choose to focus, to use your example, on, say, Catholic sex scandals and wealth grifted off the backs of the poor with excessive tithings. I have pointed out so many scandals uh, based in religion. Uh, But also the Catholics have built many fantastic universities that have given many Christians and non-Christians alike amazing educations. Uh, Like myself, I received a Jesuit education. I'm thankful I did. Uh, and uh, maybe ironically to you, I took critical thinking classes taught by a priest. Uh, I also give 20% of our Patreon subscription money to charity every month. We've donated over $400,000 in counting so far to charity, and the inspiration to give back uh, for me and for Lindsay, uh, you know, I think religion in large sense, Christian friends. I've had friends, uh, definitely for me, who have uh, traveled overseas to build schools, homes, help provide clean water for impoverished people, other amazing things. Uh, and, and did this for people who weren't always Christian. What compelled them to do so? Their faith. So many great acts have also been done because of faith. Uh, Catholics have not just done horrible things. They founded thousands of soup kitchens, uh, shelters around the world. They fed millions and millions of homeless people when no one else would. And they didn't just provide shelter or feed Christians. They have built uh, so many orphanages, you know, that aren't just for Christian children. The vast majority of those orphans not molested. Faith has led to so much good in addition to so much bad. And the faithless also commit atrocities, just like the faithful. Removing that paradigm does not make humanity better, right? We have seen that, uh, you know? Uh, also, your live and let live assessment of my relationship with religion is just not accurate. When religion has led to horrible actions, I have not been shy about pointing that out. I just don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, Right. Uh, But yeah, like, you know, like, you know, Stalin, Pol Pot, you know, many other ruthless leaders who despise religion have done terrible things. So I meant to say earlier, taking taking religion out (laughs) does not make everything better at all. Uh, But thank you for giving me the opportunity to further clarify my stance on that, Liz, because I do like to do so. Uh, Next up, some communist criticism, criticism from Super Sucker Jack. Also leaving the last name out. Oh, that's not that bad, but still. Uh, Jack writes, uh, Dear Dan the Man, Dan Arino. Hold me closer, Tiny Danster. That's clever. First off, just wanted to say, love the podcast as usual. One thing I admire is that you also do always do a great job of covering events from different perspectives and usually do so in an accurate and entertaining way. 
That said, today I'm writing in to beg you to stop using the wrong terminology when talking about socialism and communism. Communism, by definition, is a classless, moneyless, and most importantly, stateless society where resources are shared and the workers control the means of production. Socialism, on the other hand, is the transitional phase that includes a dictatorship with the proletariat, strong centralized power, and more often than not, some form of authoritarian control. While many of the parties currently and formerly in control of socialist nations have communists in their names, this is rather an acknowledgement of the end goal, not their current economic system. Furthermore, when you say certain types of socialism work better with the rest of the world, you are correct, but not for the reasons you think. Most likely when you say this, you're referring to democratic socialist or social democratic parties. Yes, they're different. And yes, it's dumb that they just switch the words. Uh, and I'm saying this, uh, you are correct, but only because these economic systems also have a centralized power, unlike communism, which is stateless. Here's a link to the definition of communism on Wikipedia. However, some iteration of this definition is there uh, in almost any and every definition of communism written by non-biased academics. Uh, secondly, and I know this is going to get you all riled up, but hear me out. I think the current situation in Ukraine is a bit more nuanced than you have let on in your last episode. Is Putin an evil power-hungry despot, uh, right? Invading Ukraine for resources and influences? Yes. Do I believe that he is actually worried about the Nazi problem in the Ukraine? No. Does that mean that Ukraine doesn't currently and historically have huge issues with Nazi ideology pervading their government and general population? Also, no. Ukraine has a huge issue with Nazism. And when they revolted in 2013, 2014, it became more clear as Ukrainian quote unquote stormtroopers, not my words, I included news sources from this uh, time frame, traveled through Ukrainian villages, murdering ethnic Jews and members of the LGBT community. I have friends and family in Ukraine. This is a trend that didn't stop in 2014, but was not regularly a topic of U.S. news as the U.S. backed the overthrow of Ukraine's previous government. My point in all of this is that sometimes there just is no good guy in a war. Putin is awful for making the power grab he is, and I certainly don't think he cares about Nazi sentiments, but I'm not sure a country with a large Nazi presence in its military and citizenry deserves our applause and support either. Here's a few links to the articles. I uh, hope you read this on the show. But if not, I'd encourage you to dig deeper in reference to a growing trend of Nazism across Eastern Europe in the last two decades. It's not just Ukraine. In fact, Poland has been having many of the same struggles over the last 15 to 20 years. I understand it's easy to want to support the David and what appears to be a David and Goliath type of engagement. That said, maybe sometimes it's just not our place to support either side. I think as Americans, we regularly try to make things good or bad, black or white, righteous or evil, and often miss that sometimes both sides suck. Here are three of those links from 2014 regarding and growing, uh, regarding the growing Nazi problem in Ukraine and Poland, and those are in the episode notes that are on the app. I uh, hope you get a chance to see this and at least consider my words. Sorry, not sorry for the length of this email. Most importantly, keep on sucking, Jack. Jack, I hear your frustration, my man. Uh, starting with the initial stuff about socialism and communism. Yes, there are many variations of uh, socialism uh, out there, and you know, communism is separate. Your definitions are correct. Yes, according to Marxist philosophy, the end goal of a true communist state is a stateless society where the people work together and essentially govern themselves. Uh, I personally think that's a, a, a ludicrous pipe dream that will never ever successfully happen and is sold to people revolting, but not ever really tried to be carried out. Uh, it goes against uh, so much of what I f consider about, you know, feel about human nature. It's a nice thought. Never going to happen. Uh, not saying that you, you know, believe this either. I try to use that term, though, for simplicity's sake when referring to governments that identify or have been historically identified uh, with that often misused term. And that term will, the definition I feel like has kind of morphed over time, right, as far as common usage. 
Uh, I also use it to differentiate, you know, like what Marx intended is not what it kind of is used for now is what I'm trying to say. And I also use it to differentiate, say, uh, the Soviet Union with like, um, you know, like Sweden, a country with the government often classified as democratic socialism. Yes, that is a type of socialism I think works well in certain parts of the world. And as a lover of many aspects of capitalism, would like to see the U.S. adopt some aspects of Nordic governments to help save the middle class. I hope these things I'm, I'm saying here uh, do clear up some of what you were concerned about. Um, yeah, I, I just think that there is like there is the word as it was originally defined, and then there you know is the word as we use it today. Just language changes so much that words end up meaning different things to different people. Yeah, you got to keep somewhat it's like the original definition to prevent like chaos. But you also can't ignore like common usage. So when I'm using it, I, I do lean on common modern usage, not original theoretical definitions. Uh, with Ukraine, yes, you are right. There have been real problems with neo-Nazi extreme far-right ideology. Uh, we have growing problems in this country with white uber-conservative nationalism. Uh, however, for me, that's a problem you deal with after kicking Russia the fuck back to Russia. To me, they are still the way worse bad guy. And, and punishing, uh, you know, uh, their government severely for the war crimes they're committing should be a priority. Uh, then the hope is that the rise of the far right uh, over there is addressed, right? And again, it's a problem, you know, that's uh, actually growing around the world, unfortunately, not just in Poland and the Ukraine, here, New Zealand, Australia, like there's, it's all over the place. Um, and I just don't think we can use that problem in any way to justify literally anything Putin has done. And so I, I don't think it's worth a lot of immediate attention right now. So I hope that makes sense. Um, I think we address one problem at a time. Putin is the Western world's number one problem in my mind right now. Let's figure out how to fuck with him, then worry about the other shit later. Uh, now let's get some extra Amish insight from the child of two former Amish folk, a sweet sec with the same last name as two Amish people we have talked about in previous Amish sucks. Uh, Ruben Gingerich writes, greetings, almighty suck lord. I bring before you a long email that's worth the read, I promise. First of all, let's get the ass kissing out of the way. I'm in love with this podcast. Huge shout out to Tony Vogel. Thanks for the phonetics for spreading the suck and getting my ass to your show in Kansas City last October. She's an amazing meat sack. I've been sucking hard and fast ever since. I've been binging my way through the episodes from the beginning. Still have a ton of suck to suck. But when I saw your latest episode was on the Amish, I knew I had to listen to that one right away. I grew up in Jamesport, Missouri, a town of about 500 that has a large Amish population. Both my parents grew up Amish. But soon after their rumspringa period, both of them decided to ditch that fear-based cult of control and left the Amish. I thank Nimrod every day they made that decision. They were shunned for years, but by the time I came along, the shun was slightly less shunny, and we were able to visit our extended families. I wound up spending a good amount of time adjacent to a lot of Amish people in tradition. I was ready to listen to this episode and tear you apart on all the common misconceptions people have about the Amish. Well, I should have known better. You fucking nailed it. Uh, I especially like that you focused on the attire so much. This is so crazy. My mom, when she was a girl, had to get in front of the entire congregation on her knees and repent. What was her sin? Wearing a dress that was measured to be a half inch too short. She's got a ton of these stories that show the ineptitude and ignorance of the Amish. Great job covering this aspect as always. Interesting side note. You mentioned the Supreme Court case about Amish kids going to public school in Wisconsin and the Amish fighting against this in Wisconsin versus Yoder. My mom was a seventh grader at that very school at that time uh, when that went down. Mr. Yoder, the guy that started all that in Wisconsin, actually recently passed away in my hometown of Jamesport. Now let's get to the coolest part. I almost dropped my phone when you brought up Emma Gingerich. We share a last name, but no relation. 
pretty common in these inbred Amish circles. In her book, she mentions that when she first left her Eagleville community, she stayed with an ex-Amish lady for about two weeks before she moved to Texas. That ex-Amish lady, none other than Mary Gingerich, my rebel badass of a mother. She had heard through a mutual friend that Emma was leaving the Amish, volunteered to drive the hour from Jamesport to Eagleville to go pick her up and house her. She stayed at her house for those two weeks while we narrowly dodged her controlling-ass father until we set her, uh, set her up with some family friends in Texas and got her on her feet. Emma now has an incredible life story that I'm proud to say my mom was a part of. So a giant, so giant shout-out to the sweet, kind, and appropriately rebellious angel of a woman that I get to call my mother, Mary Gingrich. That's fucking awesome. Hope you enjoyed the story. I did. And hope it gets read on the podcast. It did. Uh, suck me hard and suck me long, <laughs> Ruben Gingerich. P.S. You read both of my names correctly at some point in the Amish suck. So if you fuck them up, that's on you. Okay, well played, Ruben. Uh, that name must be pretty common. Hope you're not also related to Ed Gingerich. Or hope you're not, I guess not also. Hope you're not related to Ed Gingerich from the most recent Amish related episode we just did. Uh, that would not be a fun association as much. Well, but ah, never mind. Poor guy. Uh, that's a tricky one. He was he's suffering. Uh, so fucking cool that your mom helped the young woman uh, out whose story we featured so prominently in the original Amish episode, Suck 284. Uh, Emma is that young woman, uh, if you don't recall, who didn't really even speak English when she fled her community, when she was just a teenager, didn't know who the fuck George Washington was, thought that was somebody's grandpa, uh, and she went on to write Runaway Amish Girl, The Great Escape, made it out with barely an eighth grade education, now has a master's, an MBA, kicking ass, and uh, yeah, Ruben, your mom is a big part of why. So hail rebel angel, Mary Gingrich. I like that term rebel angel, rebellious angel. And thanks for writing in. Awesome update. Keep on sucking, you beautiful, barely inbred bastard. And now let's end with a shout out uh, to persistent sucker, Rachel Layton, who's been dying to get into the show. Uh, She writes, hello, king of the suck, me again. Shocking, I know. We had a birthday dinner for my brother, John, last night, and guess what he was listening to? If he said time suck, you'd be right. Why, you might ask? It's because he is truly your biggest fan. His birthday, still on the 8th, this coming Friday, I'm still begging you for a mention of him on on an episode. I'd be forever grateful to you, sir. You truly put a smile on his face. Thank you for your time. Side note, he has no idea I'm doing this. Thank you again. Talk to you tomorrow. Uh, Rachel, I got your message and other messages. All of them. I uh, just recorded episodes too far in advance as I uh, emailed you back to get this shout out in and on time for John's birthday. But here it is. A belated shout out. Better than no shout out. Happy late birthday, John. Hail Nimrod. And be very nice to your sister, Rachel, who clearly loves you very much. And if you fuck with her, she's probably not going to let it slide. She's very persistent. Hail Nimrod to you both. Thanks for the messages, everybody. Thanks, time suckers. I needed that. We all did. Uh, thanks again for listening to another Bad Magic Productions podcast, Meat Sex. Please don't make so, so, so much money this week and then just use it to scare teenagers into not going to the authorities after you sexually abuse them. Don't be an Epstein. Just enjoy your island. Give some money to charities. Be a good Meat Sack. Help those less fortunate than you instead of exploiting them and keep on sucking. Bad Magic Productions. Dan. Yeah, what's up, man? That was a great episode. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I like that you exposed him. Yeah. And uh, people get the truth. Yeah. Uh, all that aside, I have an island. You have an island? I have my own island and I have a helicopter. You have a helicopter? Yeah, it's, it's out front right now. Yeah. And we're kind of on a tight schedule. So if okay. Could, when you get done in here, just come meet me out there and we'll, we'll fly to my island. What do you want me to do on your island? We'll figure it out. We'll figure, we'll figure it out.
I wonder, huh, wait a minute, his island, helicopter, does he want, does he want me to give him massages? That is fucked up. And kind of flattering. I mean, did he forget how old I am? Could I pass for 16? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.